Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to movies. Uh, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, we are smack dab, like, I think at the end, the, towards the end of towards our, the end, yes. our uh, master class of the Alien franchise of films, which of course began with Ridley Scott's uh, 1979 film, Alien. Uh, we've since gone through each film individually. Uh, as the name implies, we're doing a master class, so we're basically just doing a front-to-back examination of the entire film franchise. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to be tackling Alien Resurrection, uh, from 1997, directed by a Frenchman by the name of Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Um, you are somewhat familiar with this director. I am not, however, but Kyle, uh, 1997, I think, was a packed year. Am I right? 1997 was a huge year for movies. Uh, not only that, but it was actually a pretty big year for sci-fi movies. Um, just, just I wanted to say at the top here, just some of the movies that came out in 1997. Just, and just a few. Just a few. <laughs> um, we have, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm going to go through the sci-fi ones real quick. We had The Fifth Element, also directed by a French director. Luc Besson. Luc Besson. Uh, Starship Troopers, which I don't know if it had a theatrical release. I feel like it did. I don't know how well it did at the box office, but... Not quite a Frenchman. God, Paul no. Verhoeven, I think he's Dutch. <laughs> Not quite French. Not quite French. Uh, Men in Black came out that year. Um, I'm going to say Con Air was a sci-fi film. <laughs> Not really. I mean, Nick Cage's hair was a, a product of outer space, but uh, yeah, sure. Um, Anaconda is a little bit more science fiction, I would say. Uh, but some other movies that came out, Austin Powers, uh, The Lost World, Jurassic Park came out in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it well, saw it in the theater on my birthday. Hercules, which I saw in the theater, I do believe. Um, Air Force One, Face Off, sci-fi film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, liar, Liar, L.A. Confidential, Goodwill Hunting, Dante's Peak, uh, The Game, uh, Spawn, which I was not allowed to watch. I got uh, to see that in the theater, too. Batman and Robin. And then, saw that one too. <laughs> and then the big one, the big mama, that one of the highest grossing films of all time, Titanic, which came out just about a month before this came out. Yeah, fun fun fact. Um, I was actually listening to the score for Titanic just uh, just a few days ago, um, after we recorded the Aliens Masterclass episode. Uh, I was in I was in a James Horner mood, uh, so I was just I spent the entire day at work just listening to James Horner music. I went through Aliens, I went through The Land Before Time. Oh wow! Um, and I went through I think I think he did Secret of Nim. If I if I'm wrong, then I just listened to the Secret of Nim for no reason, <laughs> <laughs> and then I finished up with Titanic and it's a damn good score. God damn, <laughs> that's a damn good movie too. <laughs> Bad song attached to a film, but I can see the score. Being well, what's very... so funny is if memory serves, I, I think. Uh, I think all the people attached to the film, um, when the when the news of the song came along, like everybody was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, well, because I mean, Titanic was a historically troubled production that mm. a lot of people, like a lot of investors and a lot of people oh, in yeah. the industry, were like, "Oh, it's gonna flop! Like, yep. it, there's no way this is gonna work." I don't know if this is the exact numbers, but it was supposed to have like a but it went well over budget. He just kept getting more money for it. like, oh, you're gonna give you eighty million dollars to make this, and at the end it came out to like what two hundred million or something. Yeah, it was it was astronomical, it was but huge. It, it became like a running gag on like every late night show and like every every day in the newspaper they had new articles about like James Cameron's insane. He's he's overextended <laughs> himself. This is never gonna work. It's funny that it's about a sinking ship, and this seems to be the story of the production. But if I remember right, the song was also along those lines where even the people who 
were involved in the production of the film were like, oh, fuck, we, we're, we're putting that in the movie? Joke's on you, motherfucker. It made all the money and got all the awards. And, and it's still rewatchable. And God damn it, like, even the song, like, the melodies are just, like, yeah. elemental kind of, like, primitive shit that just, like, hits you right in the center of the heart. Well, <laughs> I remember the score when Jack and Fabrizio are, like, walking around on the ship and the captain's like, let's stretch her legs. I remember that score. Oh, the electronic choir? It's yeah. like it's a, it's a robo choir. Like it's it's a strangely electronic score for a, for a period film. It, it, it's really weird. Uh, I was gonna say like say what you will about. I just watched Terminator Two the other day. By the way, I got my James. Fuck Cameron yes! <laughs> but uh, I mean, you said you were gonna watch one of his movies. God damn it! It's still so good. But uh, <laughs> but uh, Steph and I rewatched Titanic maybe six months ago. It's still an enjoyable watch. It's a good ass movie it's still a good movie it's a good ass movie it holds up any angle you'd look at it from it's good but speaking for budget i'll just go ahead and say say at the top here before we start talking about the director a little bit and the cast um <laughs> this movie pound for pound is the highest uh this had the highest uh budget of any alien film adjusted for inflation okay um i did the no i crunched the numbers and uh <laughs> Um, Alien had about um, t- these are the numbers what they would be today. Okay. Alien was about forty three million. Aliens actually had a little bit of slightly smaller budget, about forty two million. Not much, but it was roughly the That's same. That's insane. Um, adjusted for inflation here. Uh, Alien three, which was ninety one million, which is huge, and then this one was a hundred and eleven million adjusted for inflation. Wow. And I think uh, about ten percent of that went to Sigourney Weaver, if I had to guess. Maybe more. <laughs> Maybe more. <laughs> I mean. It, it's known that she was deeply involved in the in the financing of this film, and she definitely flexed come up some of her. Uh, oh, she flexed, yeah. Yeah, she she flexed quite a bit on the set. I'm just I'm assuming like I wonder why I haven't seen Scorny Weaver in such a long time. I'm like I don't think she has to do much else after this movie. <laughs> I want to know what she got paid for this. So after that movie with them gorillas, I don't know if she needs to do nothing no more. If you want to get sick, take a look at how much money Arnold made for movies after Terminator One. Oh yeah. Oh. I think he got paid thirty million to do T three. Yeah, that was actually the movie that came to mind when you mentioned that statistic. I it actually it might have been more than that because I think that's what he made for Batman and Robin. I think Batman and Robin was twenty five million and then thirty. I, for, I know it was really whew. crazy high. And Terminator three, the worst part about that one is like I'm guessing I'm guessing he had some guy running to his door like every morning just saying, Please. <laughs> fucking please man like this movie has nothing else to stand on except you it's because it, really there is nothing. nothing else there is nothing else there actually rewatching the uh terminator 2 i was thinking like none of those subsequent movies work because we don't spend any time developing the villain like we do in the first two movies uh, the subsequent villains are like nobody gives a fuck i'm telling you man like James Cameron has that gift in his toolbox. He, he's very good at doing the traditional monster movie formula. I mean, the man directed Piranha 2. He yeah. knows how to make a traditional monster movie. <laughs> the spawning. But, I mean, that's that's how you introduce a villainous, like a mysterious villainous presence. You need to, you need to lay out the rules. You need to have Arnold spell out what this thing does, what its capabilities are. Mm-hmm. And then you witness it, and then you get scared. Yeah. Especially since you have John Connor, and if you're a young boy watching the movie, he's your proxy. You're like, oh, fuck, that's what he can do to my step-parents. That's there, fucked up. There was one interesting thing that I noticed in uh, Terminator 2. He says that he's a learning computer. He's able to adapt into human, like, adapt with humans, and John kind of teaches him how to do it. But there's one specific scene where I'm like, where did he learn that? When, um, uh, what's his face? Um, Dyson. What's the actor's name? 
Oh. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Is it Joe Morton? I Joe think? Morton, yeah. yeah. He asked him, like, how do we detonate it? And he goes, remote. And he does yeah. like a click. He does yeah. the click. I'm like, where did he learn that little click? <laughs> I'm like, eh, I don't know where he learned that. I'm, again, there was, I think there was uh, a director's cut or an extended version where he might have gotten... Mm, I don't remember that. I remember there's a scene where they have him try to smile in the director's yeah, cut. Yeah, oh, God. I've seen the gif of that. Yeah, that's great. No. And then, of course, there's the, the Linda, Linda Hamilton's twin scene. That was cute. Oh, yeah. I'm going to... Oh. I'm it's, gonna... it's a reflection shot that could only be done because she has a twin sister. We need an Uncle Joey here. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't really need to be there. Uh, but yeah, so this movie uh, from 1997, big movie year, uh, is directed by Jean-Pierre Junette. Uh, he did uh, Delictesson, or... Uh, Delictessen, sorry. Yeah, we're we're American. We're American here, here. <laughs> um, which is which I've seen, and uh, the City of Lost Children, and I think his most uh, popular movie is Emily, Amelie, Amelie, Amelie. Oh, he directed yeah, that. Yeah, he, wow, yeah. Wow, I haven't seen that, but that is a beloved picture. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that well, is top of many people's lists. Contemporary, like if people are like, oh, I'm into like French films, and like if it's contemporary, like that's the go-to. That explains why he shot Winona Ryder the way he did. Mm. Short-haired, hot French woman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Winona Ryder was rocking that short hair for well, a while. I mean, I don't want to go into a big thing, but um, <laughs> Jennifer Connelly at a certain age, Winona Ryder you could sell them overseas. Like, you put them on a poster, Japan and France. They will gobble that shit up. Uh, So, yeah, uh, director of uh, Delictessen, The City of Lost Children, which I really like. Yeah, that's the movie that I'm probably going to be referencing here and there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not because I've seen it, actually, but because Kyle has, and uh, I'm curious to see if there's any similarities between that film and, and Alien Resurrection. Um, there, well, there's two actors that are, uh, yeah, that are I know that movies. much. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is a little bit, uh, and it's set design. The, pr- the production design of this movie is phenomenal. And Absolutely. Both of those movies, Delictessen and City of Lost Children are really, really Actually, good. Actually, every Alien movie, except for the, except for AVP Requiem. Yeah. Like every Alien movie, except for that one. Yeah. It, even AVP. AVP, has, yeah. AVP, I, like, it may not be great. But it definitely has love put into it. Like, you can tell Paul W.S. Anderson had a thing he was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, it's lit horribly. Yeah, it's horribly <laughs> But the lit. sets are definitely built up. Yeah. So that's like a that's like a core tenet, I guess, of the Alien franchise. Like, if it doesn't have spectacular sets, it's not Alien. So, yeah, first things first, I'm going to just say, um, we didn't need this movie. And it was actually <laughs> one of the first things that I saw on IMDb. It was like, did we really need a fourth movie? No. And Sigourney Weaver knew that they didn't need a fourth movie, and she refused to do a fourth movie. And then I think she said that, oh, yeah, I wasn't going to do it. And then they dumped a truckload of money at my front door. So I'm like, I guess I'm doing it. Yeah, um, that's my understanding, is that it it mostly came down to her getting getting, uh, creative control to to a great extent. Yeah. Getting a shit ton of money. And uh, apparently there was like one or two scenes in the script when it was finished that appealed to her. She was adamant about them staying in. Yeah, uh, the I think the core scene was when she encounters herself, the, the clone chamber. Um, I can see why. That's a good acting moment. It's well acted, in fact. Um, and I think also she she definitely wanted to uh, be given freedom to not be Ripley. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do something different, which I think was stupid. Uh, I don't think the concept is stupid, but I think the execution. Mm-hmm. As much as I really do like Sigourney Weaver, she this she's, is not she's got better. She's got better in her. Yeah, um, she do, she has some things in this that 
I think a better director would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe don't do that. <laughs> like, maybe don't do that five times in the movie. <laughs> I was going to ask you, so um, I would say that George Lucas is a director that is focused on the set. Like, we're focused on what the production looks like. like he's focused on his toys. To- I'm just, he's focusing- he likes playing with toys. He's not He's not a direction-giving director. Like, he's not mm-hmm. He's not giving direction to actors. Um, and- he, he pays, like you said, he, he pays more attention to the space that the actors are inhabiting rather than the acting and the acting performances themselves. And Stanley Kubrick is a director who is noteworthy for doing both, like, being very, very particular about how his set looks and he's also very well known for pushing his actors into what he wants well that's a sign of a strong vision where he's like i have an image in my head you're not giving it to me so i'm not going to give up until i get it i will make you lose your hair until you give me frantic okay (laughs) it's like no i need you to bash jack nicholson's face in with this bat (laughs) it's like not a love tap i need his face gone (laughs) And, and i would say that this director, I'm like, yeah, he definitely knows how to make... It's Like you said, it's a handsome film, oh, regardless. it's a very handsome film. Um, what do you think about his direction with the, with the actors? I mean, we'll get to who they are, but... Uh, I think he has a very light touch. Um, gotcha. I don't think he's a very strong will on the set. Because, like I said... I mean, in Sigourney Weaver's case, she's one of the core producers of the film, so mm. she can do what she wants. Yeah. Uh, so if she wants to do some of the silly bullshit she does in this movie... Yeah, that you know, I don't know that he would have the power to stop her. Well, um, but in the case of some of the other actors, uh, it doesn't really feel like there's that much of a directing presence involved. Like I, I don't feel that a lot of the characters are being crafted by a single director's voice. I feel like they cast a lot of really, really good character actors and let them just kind of go nuts. They are really good character actors, but now that I'm now that I'm mentioning it, I'm thinking back to. Delictessen in the City of Lost Children, especially the City of Lost Children, it's a there's much more animated performances in both of those. Films. I think he likes that, and I, I would say that's now that I think about it, like there may be direction, but it's not the direction that is needed. It is an animated direction. Like you need to go a little more over the top. I, I think he. I mean, off air, I, I was telling you that I was reading that his his approach to the film was like, I think the word fun was used. Yeah. Like he wanted to make it fun, and in his mind, I'm guessing. I mean, if you say the performances were like that in City of Lost Children, which on the surface looks like a darkly, like deathly serious film, if the performances were bouncy and over the top, maybe that's just his style. And Amelie is known to be a very bouncy, fun movie. <laughs> like, it's it's cute. Um, the City of Lost Children is somewhere between serious and dark comedy with a little bit of whimsy, I guess is the way to put it. Whimsy it, is Amelie. It, that's... The movie summed up, as far as I understand. It kind of has a it kind of has a unique tone to it. Uh, Delictessen is a little more dark. It's French. It's French. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I'm just gonna give it a quick little plot summary of what's happening, and then we can kind of get into the actors probably cool. like, who are who are casting was. So the film is taking place roughly 200 years after the events of Alien Three. Um, so we are very far removed from Alien One. Yeah, and what's what seems to be happening um, the uh, a group of space pirates are bringing, uh, they're stealing um, passengers from their vessels while they're in cryo sleep, and they're, he's selling them to uh, Dan Hedaya. And there is the, uh, basically the fear of what Ripley had was, is they're going to start doing experiments on these things, and they have no idea what's going to, like, what, what they're actually capable of. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And Ripley herself is actually an experiment. 
uh, things go awry, as they always do in an alien film, and we spend most of the time trying to get off the ship. Yeah, Uh, it becomes the Poseidon adventure on a spaceship. Yes. With aliens. Pretty much. And a weird crossbreed alien. (laughs) And Dan Hedaya. (laughs) There's a lot of weird crossbreeding in here. Winona Ryder's character, Sigourney Weaver's character, whatever the fuck that thing is at the end. I I did say this was French, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a little bit of like maybe implied thing going on between the, the robot lady and Ripley. It's French. Yeah, there's 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 layers. Everybody's fucking everybody. So I mean, first we see Brad Dourif. Um, yeah, da- love da- Brad Dourif. Dan Hedaya, which is such. I've only seen him play a serious role, and that was in one, one serious role, and that was in Bloodsport, uh, the Coen Brothers movie from the eighties with uh, Bloods. Blood Simple. Blood Simple, sorry. Blood Simple, <laughs> Blood simple sorry. I, I, I don't like to be that guy that corrects people on the spot, but, but yeah, I was yeah. like, Those are you, huge. You, just, you just kicked down my door, sir. <laughs> you don't do that. You don't you don't talk blood sport and expect to get nothing in return. Touche. <laughs> I was like, Dan, Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars. <laughs> really? <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. He wasn't. <laughs> in Star Wars. Uh, no, Dan and uh, Michael Wincott's in here. Ron Perlman, of course. Yeah. Um, oh, go for did it. you want to mention the connection between City of Lost Children? Oh yeah. So uh, there's another French actor. Um, he's little guy. Yeah, look, I can't. Little think. gremlin man. I didn't write his name down, but he's also in Delictessen in the City of Lost Children. But Ron Perlman is also in the City of Lost Children. Um, speaking very little because he's supposed to be like a brute, just big kind of dumb guy. He does that well. He does that well. He does have a lovely speaking voice, though. He squeaks out some French in there, but he doesn't have he doesn't have long sentences. Um, but <laughs> I I was thinking back or watching this movie, I'm like, man, I can't stand Ron Perlman when I I've only seen this movie twice, by the way. Oh, uh, this is only the second time I've watched I've it. I've seen this an alarming number of times. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it. I've seen pieces of it here and there, and actually sitting down and watching it, I've watched it one time. Aside from watching it last night, the second time, um, but this okay. was one of those like I kept catching pieces of it. And I'm like. I don't know. I think it was on TNT and TBS a lot. Yeah. Maybe USA, one of those. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah. Um, Ron Perlman, Winona Ryder. Yeah. So Dan and Dea is an odd choice. Oh, at first I was like, that's an odd choice to put in here. But then as the tone kind of kind of gets set up. I'm like, oh, okay. It makes more sense that Dan Hedaya is in here. Because he's too funny to have in a serious movie. He doesn't even have to do anything. He doesn't even he have... He just has to be. He just has to yell. If he starts yelling, it's funny. That's what's funny. He doesn't even have to do that. He just looks kind of funny. And, like, his his speech pattern, anytime he says anything, it just has, a like, a sarcastic little snap to it that just makes it silly. Kind of like Carmine from uh, Goodfellas. The, the guy who's like, going to make the coffee after they shoot stacks. He's just like, oh, I thought I was going to make the coffee. He's like, I'm making the fucking coffee. Get the fuck out of here. That guy, too, because I just kind of watched, rewatched, re-watched uh, The Wedding Singer, and he's the brother-in-law in there. That's he's right. So that's fucking right. Yeah, funny yeah. in there. I love his hair in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. That's just his hair. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, let's see here. So what's happening in this movie exactly <laughs> at the beginning? So at the very beginning of the movie... Um, I believe some of the first images we get are the interior of a spacecraft, which yeah. is the the Auriga, which sure. is where the entire film takes place, except for no, the entire film except for the very very end. Um, it is a military spacecraft of some sort with experiments. Um, the timeline comes into play a little bit later. They pay lip service to it, which is kind of cute for someone like me that actually gives a shit. It's it's kind of cute. Uh, it's frustrating, but it's kind of cute. Um, but yeah, Dan Hedaya is apparently a general. 
in the okay. fucking military. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, how he got there, I don't know. <laughs> um, but he has command of the vessel. Um, but yeah, some of the earliest shots in the film are of like a a cylindrical like tube chamber uh, where a young female is being housed. Yeah. And we get a really cool morphing shot, like really cool for 1997. So they, it's like posed in like a semi-fetal position it's bald it's hairless um and then we get a cool morphing shot and it turns into sigourney weaver um no words spoken here i love i love me some visual storytelling uh and mr mr jean-pierre Jeanette has an eye for for cinematography and lighting for sure mm-hmm. uh, he has some lovely shots in this movie so like stuff like this when people aren't talking that's generally very well done um and this transitions directly to like an operating table and uh, we have some, like, surgeons. Brad Dourif is one of them. He has, he's rocking a ponytail on this. Um, he can rock a ponytail. He can. Uh, did he have one in uh, Bad Lieutenant? I'm pretty sure he did. That's he, what I was he thinking. Had, he had the length. He I don't know something. if he had it tied. We had long hair in Lord of the Rings, too. So. Yeah. Was it Warm Tongue? Warm Tongue, That's yeah. right. He, I love Brad Dourif. He has, he's one of those guys that has the ability that I think he can cry on command because there's even that scene in, like, he's almost tearing up throughout this movie. He actually does cry. He cries when he's no. watching the aliens. He's weird. Yeah, when um, he's punishing them. Yeah, when he's punishing them. Um, yeah, he, he is a fantastic actor. In mm-hmm. fact, didn't he get a supporting Oscar? I think it was for Mississippi, I think Mississippi Burning? Could be. I think it's what it was for. Um, but, and I mean, he was in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Too. He was, but there's... There's such like an ensemble of like Christopher Lloyd's in there, Danny DeVito's in there. Yeah, and uh, the guy from uh, Death to Smoochie also. I can't remember his name, but uh, man, I, I I just beat Batman Returns on Super Nintendo last night, and you get to beat his ass. Oh really? <laughs> so I beat him and Danny DeVito. I beat both their asses. <laughs> but um, Brad Dourif is amazing. But, yeah, um, the the ponytail. Uh, there's a movie called The Graveyard Shift. Uh, it's a Stephen King movie from I think the early '80s. Have you seen it? I've not. It's not good. Probably um, not. But I saw it at an early age, and uh, it has a lot of rats, and a rat-bat monster, and a guy with an like utterly utterly confusing accent. I don't know where the fuck this man is from, but he has a really amazing way of speaking, and he is the most over-the-top villain I've seen in a long time. Really? Um, I've, I've almost put it on our watch list many a time, because this movie's not good. And it's not even that gory or anything. It's just it's it's a weird little oddity, and it's it's a really ugly movie in a lot of ways. But Brad Dourif plays a rat catcher in it. Oh, okay. And that I, that's a job that I could see Brad Dourif having. And he's got a real thick Southern accent in it, and he's got a ponytail, a greasy ass ponytail in it, and that's immediately what I think of when I see him with a ponytail. <laughs> but anyway, he's a he's got Ripley on the slab. Yeah. And uh, he and one of his assistants, they're behind, like, a, a glass window. And they they look like they're operating, like, uh, nuclear materials, like, from behind a, a, a safety wall. Yeah. And uh, they're performing a surgery on her. And, again, this is all mostly wordless. And I f- don't even think there's any music at this point. But uh, they do a really precise incision on her chest cavity. And, lo and behold, a chest burster in, like, asleep, basically. It's not even awake. They just kind of yank it out with a robot arm and they put it in a, in a safe housing uh so basically this is i mean ripley hasn't even been shown awake yet in this movie and nor do we understand how she's alive um but basically everything that's been happening over the past couple minutes is the stuff of ripley's nightmares this is the reason why she killed herself yeah. at the end of alien 3 because she knew this is what would happen if this this 
creature, this species, got into the hands of dirty humans, like Burke. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the the next scene is the the birthing scene with Ripley. So the yeah. scientists and Dan Hedaya now have now have a chest burster. Uh, we don't quite know what they're doing with it just yet, but uh, we get this lengthy sequence where uh, Ripley is in like a. Sh- it's like a. It looks like almost like a cocoon, almost. But yeah. it, it's basically just a really loose sheet. Um, but it's this like fade in, fade out style of editing with like this droning music. And by the way, uh, the soundtrack for this film's pretty fucking good. I think all the Alien movies have good music except for AVP. <laughs> good music, good set, good set design. It's all there. Can't remember the name of the composer, but I think his last name's Frizzle. Um, I don't know of anything else they've done, but I do know that the composer, and uh, this is another question I had about City of Lost Children, um, I do know that Jean-Pierre Jeunet um, hassled him a lot. Hmm. Uh, not hassled, but was very demanding. Like, he kept rejecting the pieces that he was composing. He was saying, no, that's not right. Like, you need to you need to do this better. Um, which may be why the music is so good, because maybe, maybe this is a director that uses music while they're editing or while they're shooting, or it's like, I, I can't see the movie until it has, until it has a voice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Some directors are very musical in that way. Um, do you remember the score for City of Lost Children? I do not. Um, I feel like it only came up occasionally. Like, it was only noticeable occasionally. Um, I'd have to rewatch it to see if I, I to notice it, but I, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Well, before we plow on ahead, uh, I forgot the the actual opening shot of the movie is a just indistinguishable what's it. It's a mm. hodgepodge of images that we we later figure out what it is. But um, do you remember the the opening credits for this movie? No. Uh, it's just the score, the same score that plays over Ripley waking up. It's that it's the theme of the movie basically mm-hmm. um it's just like imagine the the clone the failed clones in their test chambers and stuff um shot in macro and then put into a lava lamp wow <laughs> oh yes i do remember it, it's it's neat because it's all imagery that at for the time being it's like i think that's an alien just really close and really mucusy and then later in the movie it's like oh that's what i was looking at it feels it. It has a '90s feel to it as well. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, yeah. So Dan Hedaya, Brad Dourif are doing their thing basically, um, and we kind of get introduced to the the pirates, the space pirates. Um, Ron Perlman, uh, Winona Ryder, who is apparently new to the crew, um, wheelchair guy, hot lady, and oh yeah, right. Oh, there's one shot in this uh-huh. movie. I know exactly. it, it, yeah, it it's, works. It's entirely extraneous, but they knew what they was doing. Yeah. Oof, uh, oof, she's oof. she's easy on the eyes. And she, she likes foot ropes too. <laughs> I can I can supply that. Is this a director? I don't know. Um, it's French. It's French. Um, <laughs> the uh, space pirates are um, headed, of course, to the military vessel. And um, more so now, rewatching it, I am so feeling Michael Wincott as the Joker because he's got the smoking raspy voice that's just about got a hole in the neck. Uh, <laughs> and I had heard that. Um, I don't know if you've seen any interviews with Tom Waits, but Tom Waits has kind of got that same. I've been smoking for. I years. I know the exact footage you're talking about. Um, some some redditors and stuff digged up. They dug up a uh, interview with Mr. Tom Waits that um, somebody was theorizing that it's like did 
Heath Ledger Ledger's... see this footage because he's basically he basically sounds like Heath Ledger's Joker. And like, maybe that's the connection I made is like listening to Michael Wincott. He sound he has the same kind of style of speaking as Tom Waits because you know they've both been smoking for so long. I'm like maybe that's why. Also, he's got the voice for it. He's got the nose and the smile, and more so in this movie, I'm like I'm just I'm so feeling him as an old Joker. He's gonna die before it could ever happen. See, I I feel like. I feel like Michael Wincott's Joker would be a very sensible Joker. Mm-hmm. Like he'd be a very sane Joker. Yeah. Uh, less, less, more, more, more predictable. Uh, more methodical. I yeah, think. yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't see him being like, like a Jim Carrey or something. <laughs> <laughs> like a Jim Carrey Riddler. Like, I couldn't see him bouncing off the walls or you know. Nobody could be a Jim business. Carrey anything. Only Jim Carrey can be a Jim Carrey something. But the point I'm trying to make is I, I could see him being just like a straight-up gangster that happens to be a clown and happens to have maybe a maniacal laugh at, at inopportune moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the visual and the voice, is, it's, it's good stuff. And the way he is shot in this movie, his, his <laughs> deathly gray pallor is <laughs> like... Again, yeah. lifelong smoker. Lifelong smoker. Um, it, uh, it works. Uh, one thing I really noticed about the cinematography in this movie, uh, the DP loves him some eye light. Yeah. Um, every close-up in this movie has like, like a literal like lifesaver yeah. of light on everybody's irises. Um, it makes everyone look fucking gorgeous. Um, including Dan Hedaya. <laughs> but yeah, the the scene where he's talking with Dan Hedaya, uh, both of them are lit spectacularly, but Michael Wincott in particular, it's like, yep, every every line on his face is lit correctly. He has just the right amount of grease on him. Like, it's, it's just beautiful to look at. Um, we were talking about the tone of this movie, how the first three films, though different with different directors, um, still carry the same kind of tone. There's still an eerie tone to it. Yeah. This movie does not. It does not. And I think uh, the justification for that was uh, the failure of Alien 3, mm. um, in the eyes of the producers anyway. Correct, I was say. Um, critically, I'm sure it's not, it's not a hated film by any means, but the but Fox was unhappy with it. The director was unhappy with it. It's it's not a well-liked movie by the people who made it. The director was very unhappy with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the idea was we, we need to change it up. And like you said, 1997 was a fucking banner year mm-hmm. so i'm guessing there was some pressure on the studio to to make it to make good um so a big change was probably necessary and i don't know i think i think the french factor can't can't be denied as well and more than that though i think uh, having joss whedon yeah writing the script uh ever heard of him I mean, at the time, I don't know what his reputation was. I don't know if he was a proven entity in the industry yet. I, I'm sure he was working in television. His dad but, was definitely telling people he was a proven entity. But, like, but, yeah. But, like, I think he may have been working on Buffy. Firefly hadn't happened yet. Of course, the Avengers would happen much later. Um, so, knowing what we know of him now, it's like, you, he can't help but be quippy and, and witty. Like that's actually my biggest criticism of both his comics and his movies is is that everyone is too clever in his in his stories. Like everyone is everyone has something in the holster ready to go, like a, a line of some sort on the ready. The Dan Hedaya and Michael Wincott exchange is very much that. It's very snappy. Yeah, it's very snappy. Um, it's distracting only a few times in this movie, but it's it's there. You can't help it. But um, I think. Jumping the story ahead 200 years is how they kind of like fudged it a bit. 
where it's like so much has happened like so much history has transpired that it's like oh we're a long way from that so it's like it's attempting to be a little bit of a fresh start but they're not really committing to it this also uh this movie does a little bit different world building than the other films the first film we just know blue collared people on a ship bad things happen second movie we go to a colony with some marines uh third movie she's stranded on Australia, the Australia of uh, space, space Australia. Space Australia. <laughs> this, we're actually getting kind of a sense of what's happening outside of that because we don't really know what the world's like outside of those three movies. Yeah, this is like there's space pirates. There's a military that's running these very uh, not okay experiments <laughs> and obtaining the obtaining subjects for these experiments very illegally. Uh, I don't know. Do you think it? Do you think that kind of helps? helps make it more fun i don't know because i think that's one of the things that that separates it from the other three i think it i don't think it adds anything to the fun factor but i think it just gives them a more clean slate to work with Mm. where it's like um some scenes that we skipped over that i think are definitely worth talking about um before the space pirates arrive um we actually get a kind of a montage not really but it's it's a sequence of 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 scenes where uh, we get to see them trying to educate ripley oh so we get a literal birthing scene where she comes out of like a cocoon. We see, why does she have metallic colored fingernails? I don't know. I'm gonna go ahead and say, <laughs> that, I'm gonna go ahead and say at the top here that this is one of Scorny Weaver's worst performances, in my opinion. Uh, I, worst, one of the worst I've seen. It's copycat. Awful. Copycat's pretty bad, but copycat. Eh, I'm, I'll give her copycat over this because every time she's on screen, it's awkward. I don't even want to see what she's doing. So if I skip over stuff, it's. It's because I don't want to talk about Sigourney Weaver in this movie. That's bad. That's that's bad. I know. Especially when it's the leading lady. It's oh, it's just I don't like this character that she's that she's doing. Mm. It's just bad. She's doing like the 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 meet Joe Black. Like, what am I? What is this? Yeah, and that what what Kyle's doing with his hands right now is he's basically like looking at his hands like he just he just dropped something real heavy. <laughs> like, what am I? Yeah, what he, are we made of? What yeah. is our purpose? So, adult Ripley has just been born at the beginning of the film. And by the way, the hair product, like she looks like the guy who sings the No Easy Way Out song in Rocky IV. Mm. Like it, uh, it, like if she whipped her head around too fast, it's greasy. If you were standing next to her and she turned her head too fast, she's got soul glow in there, dude. Yeah, she got soul glow. She got soul glow. Like <laughs> she got a constant supply just of it too. Don't let her sit against a couch with a high back. <laughs> God, the movie's great. It is, but um, yeah, we get a montage of of the scientists like trying to educate her. So it's shown that she's she's. It's unclear what she is, what her deal is, but she has intelligence. She can speak, uh, but very clearly her her growth was accelerated. So I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out she's a clone. Yeah. Um, how else would we get a Ripley two hundred years after the fact? Well, she it was incinerated. So how do they even have a Ripley? <sighs> I don't know. Incinerated. They, they they got some biological material from from the prison planet, I guess. I it, I think that's the explanation. Actually, is they had like a blood sample or something they got on the planet um, when they were investigating there. Um, but yeah, she's shown to be very violent. Um, strong yeah she's she's very very powerful um she's intelligent uh she's lewd she drops an f-bomb early in the movie (laughs) um and the scientist uh there's one actor in here that i don't recall seeing in anything else 
but he stands out quite a bit. Um, it's this gentleman here. Dr. Yeah, I know you're talking about. J.E. Freeman, who plays a Dr. Wren, and he is the biggest asshole imaginable. Yeah, he, he is having fun with it. Yeah, he missed his audition for Schindler's List. He would have definitely done well in that. Oof. He could have played a Nazi for sure. But I mean, it needs to be said, despite me not really having any recollection of having seen him anywhere else, I think he did a great-ass job. He has screen presence for sure. He reminds me of the guy who played um, Wishmaster a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew Devok? Andrew Dice Clay is the guy who played <laughs> the Wishmaster. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, I got such incredible things I can give you. Oh! <laughs> 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 What's your wish? <laughs> I just need a ruby. Oh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, um, it needs to be said. Uh, I think every alien movie has a significant sequence in a cafeteria. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, like, what the fuck it, do we have to go to the cafeteria every time? I don't know, but it's a tradition, I guess. Yeah, it is tradition. <laughs> but yeah, we get a scene where uh, it's actually kind of a, a nifty dialogue scene where we do some of that world building you mentioned, where Ripley's eating a meal cocoa with, puffs yeah. yeah she's eating like cocoa puffs or something with brad dourif and this this dr wren uh j.e freeman and he's an asshole yeah he's and, a dick oh did you catch that move with the noodle yeah that was stupid oh was... he he just like straight up puts his fingers into her dish it's gross when he it's just, it's, it's gross, really gross but it's a brilliant acting choice like yeah. damn you want to make someone look like an asshole you have him reach into a woman's dish and just grab a noodle and just sloppily put it into his mouth and then go there's a special type of person that knows how to antagonize you in such a way that you feel compelled to physically hurt them but if you have to explain to a cop or somebody why you did it that's like that's not justified you can't justify that i went to middle school with a guy like that we all went to middle school with a guy like that this is one of those moves where you're like this is disrespectful like i should put hands on him like but that's not good enough that's not good enough yeah actually in this scene he has one of those lines where she's saying like what do you plan on doing with the alien and he explains to her like oh we're gonna we're gonna tame it we're gonna teach it all these tricks we're gonna make it into a weapon and she's like um do you really think you can teach it? And he's like, we're teaching you, right? Oh. Ooh. You should have just let, got up and went, <laughs> and just like slowly backed out of the room. Dropped his lunch tray. Walked back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that they cut right there, but yeah, yeah that's what happened right after. But um, during this exchange of dialogue, they have some neat world-building stuff where um, basically they're kind of explaining to Ripley, because she has lots of questions, obviously. <laughs> like, how am I alive? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they explain to her that there's been a dramatic passage of time. Not only that, though, the company, Wayland yutani no longer exists. So we are, we are attempting to completely wipe the slate clean. They're absorbed by a Japanese conglomerate that also owns uh, Sears, Target, and another They planet. were absorbed by OCP. <laughs> we do have an ED-209 on board. <laughs> oh, man, Robocop versus Alien versus Terminator. Versus Predator. Uh, Predator wins. Versus Batman versus Ash. Predator wins every time. Predator is su- physically superior. He's technologically superior. Yeah, he wins. I don't know, man. I have a Batman versus Predator comic. And I have an Alien versus Superman comic, which is really stupid. Superman wins. Over yeah, Alien. obviously. Yeah. Although they do put a chest burster in him, which is really funny. Because that's like, how? How? Oh, how? could you imagine if Superman like, got a chest Well, burster? imagine it, like, how does it get out? It would, like concuss itself trying to get out of him <laughs> but he just, he just have heartburn for a few days <laughs> um a xenomorph 
Superman, if it comes out of Superman, that's the end of Civil War. That, that's, that's it. it. That's that, done. Just, yeah, call it good right there. We're dead. Done. <laughs> I mean, it would never bleed, but like, if it bled, it would like burn out the sun or something, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that cafeteria scene was pretty cool. Um, and basically what we learned here is that uh, I think we learned that uh, the chestburster that came out of Ripley was a queen. Um, which, as I said on the previous episode about Alien 3, uh, it kind of... Hints at that. It's not really a, a retcon, but it basically it explains to us, the viewer, that's like, oh shit, that whole time she was carrying a queen. Yeah. Which you and I were talking about, like, maybe that affects the gestation period. Like, maybe it's more complex, so it takes longer. Yeah. I don't know, we're just bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, around that time is when the space pirates show up. Yeah, the space pirates are coming around. Michael Wincott's clearly the uh, Treat Williams. He's the captain of the ship, and he's got this... No, 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 I'm sorry. What's-his-face has the girlfriend on the ship. But, um, yeah, in uh, Deep Rising, it's oh. um, Kevin all, J. O'Connor. All, all paths lead to Deep Rising. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're getting to the ship, and he meets up with Dan Hedaya. We meet our crew, Winona Ryder, who's new to the ship. She's kind of coy. Um, the guy in the wheelchair doesn't really do much. Um, he's a mechanic, and he's got a thing for her. Yeah, I mean... She hangs out with him a lot. I get it. Ron Perlman's the... Dick. He's yeah. he's just there to be an asshole. He does a really good monkey impression. I I think I read that he did that just for fun, and they're like, leave it. Again, the director, he probably thought it was fun, decided to leave it in. <laughs> I think he likes Ron Perlman, so... Well, I mean, that facial structure... If you're into, if you're into shots and lighting, Ron Perlman's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. He's also a dude who can be funny, he can be friendly, and he can be scary. Whichever, whatever you need him to be. He yeah. can do it all. And he seems like a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're hanging out with Guillermo del Toro, you're probably not a dick. Oh, we forgot to mention the, uh, was it the Las Vegas guy? Uh, Christy. Dreadlock guy. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he on the TV show, like the Las Vegas show with uh, James Caan? Oh, I, I'm sure he was. Or I tried like CSI, one of those? I don't know. He has perfect teeth. And I was trying to figure out um, what else I'd seen him in. Uh, Sniper from uh, Training Days in here, by the way. Uh, the actor I'm thinking of, Gary Dorden. Yeah, I've never seen him in he, anything. He was on, like, CSI or something. Like, I'm sure he was, but Yeah, I, he was on CSI. I didn't watch any of that. Neither have I. <laughs> I just so. saw him in promos and so he has his striking eyes. Oh. Like yeah. I think that's like responsible for getting him most of his work. Oh, he's very handsome. He's very handsome. He's ridiculously handsome in this yep. movie. Because he's like jacked and young and he's got the crazy eyes and he gets to do all the cool action stuff that makes no fucking sense. It's yep. actually really distracting from the film. <laughs> but yeah, um so yeah, the space crew the space pirates get onto the ship, Michael Wincott and uh Dan Hedaya have their little exchange where Michael Wincott's like, yeah, I know you're doing stuff here that's not good and stuff. And Dan Hedaya's like, well, what do you want? <laughs> not quite. He gives him a shit ton of money, uh, space dollars. Space bucks. Space bucks. Um, <laughs> he gives him a shit ton of money. He's like, well, I want some more stuff. And he's like, well, what do you want? He's like, I want to stay here for two days. Like, yeah, room and board for two days. All right, whatever. It gives them a reason for why there's more people to kill here on the yeah, ship. Yeah, honestly, it ups the body count. Yeah. It gives us some more characters to plow through. Um, but yeah, there's there's not really much that's going on in this movie. Well, there's, there's a lot of visual storytelling that happens that I like, that sticks out to me. Even at a young age, I really appreciate it. Like, um, for instance, the int- introduction to the Queen. Uh, no. It's actually kind of a cool scene. Cause it's, so, it's really scaled back, actually. Um, Dan Hedaya is like walking down a hallway with Brad Dourif and uh, the other 
Ren, the asshole. Yeah. And they're they're walking and talking. They're doing the the West Wing thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we get introduced to the security system. Uh, it's uh, actually the the onboard AI is called Father. So mother in yeah. the first alien. Now we're up to Father. Cool. Um, Oddly enough, the uh, security system is like breath activated. <laughs> yeah, I got we get a funny beat where Dan yeah. Hadai like he's irritated. <laughs> like he nobody expresses irritation better than Dan Hadai. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he has to breathe heavily onto a onto a little receiver on the door. Um, but they're just doing a casual walk and talk, and then they walk into this chamber, and the camera continues to pull away from them, like through a glass window, and then we see the distinctive like head. Yeah. of the alien queen just like staring at them through a, a, an enclosure and it's like oh fuck like they have a queen and not only that they have it like restrained and captive and they don't seem to be terribly enthused about it. they're just kind of like it's very casual and that's part that, that's kind of cool seeing people have no reaction to something that was like the biggest set piece moment in the second movie i know but like I feel like they spend too much time, like, oh, this is what's happening here. I'm like, yeah, I got it already. Like, it's pretty easy to piece together what's happening. Well, what about the, what about later on, like, some of the stuff with the aliens in the chamber, like, when we're trying to train them and stuff? I mean, it, it makes sense that that's what they would be trying to do. Like, yeah. it, it's kind of, maybe it's because I've seen this movie after seeing subsequent movies where I'm like, yeah, they've got it. They're trying to train it. They're trying to weaponize it or whatever they're trying to do. I get what they're doing. It's very leisurely paced in the first third or so mm-hmm. um basically until the alien stuff starts happening which right. actually doesn't happen until like 40 minutes and maybe yeah. 50 minutes yeah because then we get the the stupid basketball scene with sigourney weaver and ron perlman which yeah. is just dumb if i remember right that's like cross cut with the alien outbreak mm. so things are happening yeah. parallel to each other but before that um we get a montage of everybody doing their routine it's 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 a weird little detail that doesn't need to be there we don't no. need to know anyone in this movie that well um but this is this is where the lady gets her shot. <laughs> Michael Wincott gets a foot rub in. Yeah, he's giving her a foot rub while she's on her stomach and a not a thong, but pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's trying its best. It's trying its best. And he's just like rubbing her feet while looking at her ass. And he's like, like, Yeah, this works for me. I was actually thinking, I'm like, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> like, Let's try this. Let's sometime. try this out. This not, yeah. It's like, do you like when I talk like this? <laughs> it's like does that do anything for you? <laughs> Probably does a lot of like sweet talk. Hey, baby muffin. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Hey, baby muffin. It'd be like the uh, the unveiling of Gilbert Godfrey's actual voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dan Hedaya is like polishing his shoes and stuff. And like, oh, that technique, by the way. Poor. Oh no no no. That's Good? that's yeah. Setting it on fire. Yeah, that's uh, that's an old technique. Okay. Well, they had an advisor then. Cool. <laughs> it's legit. And the. Meanwhile, I think uh, Winona Ryder is fucking around on the ship. Yeah, she's messing around. Um, we definitely see the the thing that gives it away that these people are really, really shitty. I mean, besides you know Michael Wincott telling him like, "Hey, you're having to steal people." They have people um, in tubes, like in a like a like a almost like a circle of, of tubes. Yeah, so that that's what the pirates were hauling. Yeah, uh, as Kyle had mentioned in the beginning. Uh, the cargo they were hauling were people who were taken from cryosleep and undisturbed. So it doesn't take a genius to figure out what the plan is. Yeah. Uh, we have a queen who's producing eggs, uh, and those eggs need hosts. Uh, so we plan on using these people in cryosleep as hosts for alien birthings. I'd be so fucking pissed if I woke up and I just see that that, that sack there. I'm like, oh, what the 
motherfucker. And the, I actually like that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to see a shot of like, like an entire wall adorned with these cryotubes, but with an egg placed in front of each of them. And, and it needs to be said, their heads are restrained, so they can't do anything about it. Uh, most of them, it seems like they don't even really gain consciousness for the entire process. But before we cut, we get to see one guy wake up, and he's none too happy about it. No, I wouldn't be either. I mean, he doesn't even know what's going on. No, like he hasn't. It's an alien. He's never seen it before, but he, all he knows is he doesn't want it on his face because no. it looks like a booger, <laughs> booger anus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you want to talk about the the basketball sequence? So apparently, Sigourney Weaver had a basketball coach teaching her how to shoot hoops for like six weeks while they were doing this, and to do that shot where she throws it from behind. But she's illustrating they're, what they're doing with this is that Ron Perlman is. Uh, sexually harassing her more or less uh, he's hitting on her but it's aggressive um I hate to say it but the the you know i can't lay off the tall ones line yeah stuck with me since childhood <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so he's like trying to get some one-on-one going she's not she's not she doesn't really care she's way stronger than him and she doesn't she doesn't want to bang him um and he's she trying to get a, she cut a whiff of some shit on like yeah. She's trying to. He's trying to get something going. It's not working, and I think he sniffs her, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and she uses the basketball to hit him in the nuts, <laughs> and then uh, dreadlocks guy hits her in the face with a. Uh, <laughs> it's a. It's a barbell. It's isn't a it? barbell. It's the preset ones, though. It's not the ones where you can add weight. It's yeah, but he. It, it's hit. sturdy, and it's probably what seventy pounds. Yeah, <laughs> and she. I was like, whoa, yeah. you're not even going to try to grab her or anything? Like, that escalated quickly. But they figure out pretty quick that she's way stronger than them. Yeah, she shrugs it off like nothing. Yeah. Uh, she gets a little nosebleed, but that's about it. Um, yeah, 70-pound barbell straight into the fucking face. And by the way, it has a pointed end. Um, there's this there's this funny YouTube video <laughs> where this guy is standing around. He's a real big guy, probably like 6'4", just a big, big dude. He's standing around a group of guys, and he's just kind of talking, and I think he's rapping, and he's doing a bad job. Yeah. And this guy comes from behind. You can see him in the background coming up, and he's got a two-by-four, and he comes up behind the big dude, and he whacks him in the back of the neck, like trying to knock him down. It doesn't even face him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he, shit. He just kind of knock, and he just see him turn around like, oh, you better hope he doesn't get a hold of you. He's going he's gonna to knock your teeth out. That's kind of one of those moments where you're like, this is definitely going to knock her on her ass. And then, uh-uh. No, that, that, that means it's time to run. Run. Because you just gave her your best shot, yeah. and it did nothing. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big fear of mine. Like, I'm giving the best shot I got, and like, it's not going to do anything. No, actually, I've, I've heard a story from a fella that's like, that's, that's the moment you know you're old. <laughs> like, the moment you know you are t- literally too old for this shit. When you hit a guy and it, it doesn't do what you expect. <laughs> or you find out that you're not a guy that should be hitting people. Because... Exactly. It's like, maybe this was a bad idea. <laughs> but yeah, um, this causes all the pirates to be kind of flustered. But um, the backhand she gives to Ron Perlman, trailer shot. There's a lot of trailer shots in this movie. Basically, it's just she whips around with a backhand and clocks him in the face. And he goes, whoa! <laughs> like... I don't know if they had him on a wire or if he just like flung himself through the air, but it's pretty dramatic. It's just meant to emphasize that she's superhuman to some extent. Yeah. What's happening when the aliens are escaping is after the drinking and when Winona Ryder. That's goes right. To, yeah. Yeah. Um, the main takeaway of the scene, like the main reason it exists, as far as I know, by the way, um, Doctor Wren and a bunch of troops come in to to stop the fighting, stop the violence. Yeah. 
Um, so nothing really comes of it. The pirates are flustered, but that's about it. Um, the main takeaway, though, is that she brushes blood off of her nose and, mm-hmm. and throws it on the floor, and then we get a couple of lingering shots of her blood sizzling. Uh, so if you're paying attention, you're kind of understanding that, oh, she's an alien lady. Well, apparently JPJ wanted the uh, wanted a mosquito to come up and suck blood out of her. Um, uh, JPJ, how did this mosquito get into space? But anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> he wanted the blood to suck out of her and disintegrate. And if like the computer people were just like, "Do you have any idea how much that's going to cost?" He's like, "We have so much money, we can do it. <laughs> we have all the money." <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no, it's going to cost way more." Well, I mean, in his in his eyes, I'm sure like a a dollar pro- probably goes quite a bit further in France. Probably. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we could totally do that. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> Jesus is expensive here, dude. It's like, you see that You see that tall lady over there? She's why you can't have your mosquito. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but um, Sigourney ends up going back to her little, her little hole. And I think Brad Durp has made his way. He's doing some, like, uh, yeah. rounds. He's doing his rounds. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sigourney Weaver's chilling in her little spot, and Ron Perlman and Dreadlocks are chilling and drinking, and they're watching, I kind of got a kick out of this, they're watching the Home Shopping Network, um, which was a, was a definitely way bigger in the 90s, but it's funny that in this world, it's still really big. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, fucking streaming has that nowadays. Did you know that? I did not know that. They do that shit oh, on stream. It makes more sense. Yeah. It makes more sense to be there, because then you can just click, and you can, oh, that's so smart. It is. That's really. It's like it's like programmed into our blood to be into that. <laughs> there's um, there's a scene in the Birdcage when they when they're watching um Gene Hackman's watching like it's like the Donahue show or something. Oh, okay. All four of them are just yelling over each other talking, and she's like, "It's a great show." He's like, "Oh, it's the most intelligent show on TV." And, uh, <laughs> this is one of those moments where Ron Perlman's like, "This is the best show on TV." This. Yeah, I, I I caught that line, but it reminded me a bit of I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that in RoboCop. It's so perfect because it's never given any context. Really, it's just everybody who watches it laughs hysterically. So it's like I guess this is the height of comedy. This is what people like. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got things moving here. Uh, Winona Ryder. We don't get why she's there. She's new to the crew. Yeah. And she is severely fuckable, <laughs> as Michael yes, Wincott yes. said. Dude, that was a bit aggressive. Even <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, dude!" Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, it, I, honestly, it took me back. I'm like, "Whoa, that, that's." I like you, Mike, but you gotta you gotta yeah. back that shit down. <laughs> I'm like, "That's yeah, it's 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 aggressive." Um, so yeah, when on a writer pulls out a little shoe knife or something like that, um, and she, I'm like, I'm like, no, Whoa. she has a keychain with a bunch of vials of breath <laughs> oh she had to get in yeah but she, she tries a few different samples but she gets in and i'm like what's up winona why you want to kill yeah, ripley well no no why you want to see ripley why you want to do this and yeah. it's still not even like she wakes up or whatever and it's still not even quite clear what the motivation is uh i mean it makes doesn't really make much sense at later the, at this point in the movie it seems like she's an activist or a, like some sort of eco-terrorist yeah. of some sort um she objects to the oddly enough she knows about the existence of the aliens uh so apparently someone in the far-flung future has internet access unlike the rest of the people in this universe space internet they've, yeah that's actually kind of funny we've mastered that, space travel but we don't have wi-fi i actually really like that about the alien movies that there is no internet 
in space no one can internet <laughs> no one can hear you internet um but yeah she's she's apparently an eco-terrorist of some sort she knows about the aliens she knows about the military's plans for the aliens and she knows who ripley is and apparently she views her as an abomination that shouldn't exist she absolutely is. She, yeah, she absolutely is. <laughs> she I mean, she, is. she's a Jurassic Park dinosaur. Yeah, she's yeah. No, yeah, she should not exist. Yeah, she should not be on a plastic lunchbox, and nor should she be sold. So back to the real quick, the blood dripping on the floor with acid. You're like immediately, like you don't need to build much else. Like I was gonna say, I feel like the director spends too much time building this. Like I know what's going on. She's a genetic mutation. Well, she's got alien blood. I mean, we're not doing a good job of explaining it, but I think they do explicitly state it pretty early on okay. that um, basically what happened. And Brad, I think Brad Dorff. He does some exposition. He does some exposition. Basically, he explains that in the process of cloning her, uh, the genetic information of the two different organisms rubbed off. Uh, so she inherited some traits from the alien that was inside her. Uh, put a pin in that for a nasty scene later on. I can't not the the Raul Julia. <laughs> Every time I look over at it. Uh, so folks, I have a uh, Raul Julia from uh, the Street Fighter movie. Uh, it's it's basically Bison Bonaparte uh, riding a horse, uh, looking so ma- majestic and magnificent. Uh, yeah, I have quite a large poster of that hanging up in my apartment, and Kyle just locks eyes with it I, every time I, he walks by. I don't mean to, it's just I look over and it's just there. Game <laughs> over! <laughs> um, so I have in my notes here, space terrorists, life finds a way. Yeah. So this yeah. is where... Uh, 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 Ron Perlman and his buddy are drinking, watching the Home Shopping Network. They're chilling in the gym. Um, you figure they'd be working out because they're both big dudes. You'd think they'd be trying to get sets in. but No, no they're just getting drunk. and It's whatever Joaquin Phoenix is making in The Master. That's what they're drinking, basically. Well, oddly enough, Winona Ryder, like, her character's name is Call, I think. Mm-hmm. But she, uh, she pretends to be drunk as an excuse yeah. to like, leave the room. I want to get Ron... I, Ron Perlman seems like a guy who could be fun to get riled up because he just get he just snaps. And it, I've seen him on Twitter, man. He gets political. He's <laughs> him snapping at her. He's like, God damn it! This stuff is like, stuff have, is not easy to come by. <laughs> I want. I wish he was in my family because I would just be trying to get Uncle Ron riled up. Like, <laughs> Uncle Ron. <laughs> Uncle Ron. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Brad Dourif is doing his rounds in the Looney Bin, and we get to. Um, I kind of I like this. This is where the. He's in like um, a container that goes to each one of these cells, and you can tell they've got like a matrix esque, just a bunch of. Cells. It looks almost like a centrifuge. What's that? It's a spinny thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Basically, it, it's it's most likely it, it's again. a. It needs to be said actually. The, 1997 was a very cool year in cinema, mm-hmm. like late 90s in particular, uh, because uh, we're at we're at this really amazing point in time where CGI is in vogue. But practical is still king mm-hmm. in terms of executing Correct. vision. It's the it's the best way to get your point across. Yeah, CGI though is very popular and trendy, but it's not quite there yet. It, yeah, it can't do everything yet. Not I like, think it's not too like expensive now. at this time. It's it's expensive and it requires very specific talent and very specific setups. Like mm-hmm. you need the again the reason why Jurassic Park looks as good as it does is because they planned for it. They mm-hmm. they knew every shot like they calculated the lighting and the angles precisely, and they were feeding that information to the animators from day one. Yeah, you can't just go out and shoot whatever and say do it, yeah. <laughs> fix it in post. It's you like, can no, now. You can now, and it's it's unfortunate yeah. that 
people try to do things that way. But anyway, my point being is that there are a stunning number of shots in this movie and props in particular that are that are miniatures that are are models mm-hmm. that don't look it at all. There are a lot of shots in this movie that I would defy you to to point to that and say I know how they did that Mm-mm. because I seriously doubt you could do it. No. Um, in particular, the spaceships, like when the the pirate ship is called the Betty. It's very fucking Joss Whedon, by the way. Yeah. Um, it when it docks with the Auriga, it, some of the shots, it's just like, I don't know how they did that. I mean, I I, I know it's a miniature, but there's a lot going on. Um, and yeah, this this uh, set or prop, or I don't know. It, it probably partially a set, probably partially a prop. I don't know. It's somewhere in between. Probably has a little bit of CGI cleaning some stuff up too. Uh, I don't entirely know how they did it, but yeah, the the cells that they're keeping the aliens in, which are grown now, um, Brad Dourif has this little pod that he can like pull up to, yeah, and like basically he can view each one individually. And I really like this scene. How did you feel about it? It's funny. It's uh, I mean we we've talked about I've talked about how much I uh, enjoy actual puppets and actual puppets uh, puppets <laughs> and this is a definitely a puppet and um it's all nice it's all greasy and slimy and there's brad durf is just kind of having a moment with it and he's like um like smiling at it like like baring his teeth at he's, it he's like i think he's mirroring it he's mirroring like yeah. he's trying to mimic it and seeing how it reacts and he ends up uh kissing up against the glass at it which was i'm like okay man and the xenomorph is like, uh, uh, it's like a zoo. It, it just feels like like a zoo interaction. They're separated by you know protective glass. And he he tiny mouth. But, I mean, he practically the glass. does. He probably look. He practically looks over his shoulder like no one's watching, right? Yeah, he does. Smooch, smooch, smooch. <laughs> he's a little weird, but he's also that scientist that's obsessed with his work and is also very much in love with his work. But perfect casting. <laughs> he ends up other uh, than the xenomorph like. Hits the hits the glass with his uh, tiny mouth, his tiny the, the tiny mouth, tiny mouth, <laughs> and uh, Brad Dourif like hits him with some freeze action. Uh, I, I love like I can picture it perfectly. Like when so Brad Dourif has his face really close to the glass. I think he's like baring his teeth at, at the alien, mm-hmm. and then it does its tiny mouth and it bangs on the glass and it makes him jolt. Like it it shocks him. It's a jump scare. It's a cheap cheap thrill. But what happens after is he like pulls back, and then he does a he he gives it like an accusatory point, and he Should've he just that. locks eyes with it, and he's like you, no good, <laughs> and he steps to the side, and he has this little key thing that he has to unlock, and there's a big red button, which is obviously bad, and then he very like explicitly like does a, a broad gesture, like I think he's trying to educate, he's he's showing the alien like I'm making a big show of this, pay attention. He holds his palm over this red button, and I think this is when he sheds a tear. Yeah. Is he depresses the button and it causes like I'm guessing like liquid nitrogen jets or something. Yeah. Something really fucking cold because yeah. what happens to a human is not what happens to an alien. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, he sprays it with this cold air, and it freaks out and shrieks at him, and yeah, he sheds a tear because he's Brad Dourif and he's a fucking ace, <laughs> and of course he's he's too involved with his work, like you said. Um. So we, in over the course of the scene, we see that like this man is really into his aliens, yeah. and he he feels emotion when he has to hurt them, or see them harmed. Um, but the the visual storytelling here was really cool. But like while we're on the subject, uh, 
What did you think of the alien designs in this one? Because we've been going over them for every movie. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they look fine. They look good. Um, we don't see that. We there's little use of like there's a little bit of on-screen puppets. I feel like we use a little bit more CGI uh, in this one. Well, it's the first one to have CGI. Mm, special edition Aliens Three. Oh yeah. Um. We use a bit more in this one. Uh, it's nice when they're on screen, but like I said, like I don't really care for this one like at all as far as a, an alien movie goes. So hmm. honestly, the less they're on screen, the better hmm. for me because I want it to. Be, I I'm watching it and I want it to be a different movie. And at one point, it kind of just turns into not an alien movie. Yeah, uh, the whole middle of the movie basically is, yeah. is a straight up action adventure movie. I mean, honestly, there's there's like you could almost edit this to not be <clears throat> not be an alien movie. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned to you off air. It's basically the Poseidon adventure. Like, th there's even underwater sequences. Yeah, there's underwater like, sequences. Like this, you could have taken out all the biological threats and just had it be a sinking ship or, yeah. a, or a spacecraft in trouble. Correct. Um, and hell, you could have just had humans be the bad guys. It could be Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it is not a traditional alien film. There has not been another one like it since. But. Uh, the the alien designs were again done by Tom Woodruff in his Amalgamated Dynamics. Uh, I I don't think I like the designs as much as I have in uh, again Aliens is my favorite because uh, I like the ridges yeah. on the on the Corona. Uh, these ones are back to I think the smooth Corona like the original Alien. Um, also, their snout is more pointed, mm -hmm. uh, more dog-like, I guess. Well, we spend, we actually use hands more than anything with these guys. Like, we don't really, we don't get a lot of, like, punching holes into people's heads with the tongue or see them eating anybody. It's mostly grabbing that Yeah, they there's do. a lot of snatch and grabs. A lot of, <laughs> grabs. A lot of we, I mean, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it because the, the deaths are coming up here soon. Yeah. But we got to explain uh, how they get out, which I thought was interesting. I liked it. I liked it. No, I, I, I see no problem with it. I thought it was clever. Um, so we, uh, Brad Durf is about to, uh, the, the alien was kind of going to act up again and he puts his, he stretches his hand out like you had mentioned and the alien's about to go for the glass and he backs up and he's like, oh, so it can learn. Fast learner. Fast learner. <laughs> um, he's like, yeah, they're fast learners. Uh, these things are smarter than raptors in this fucking thing. Um, well, why do you think that is? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we, we did have that movie in between. Correct. <laughs> oh, and we had The Lost World literally this year, too. Um, but yeah, so the, it seems like the, the xenomorphs like communicate with each other. And like, listen, we have acid for blood. We're going to have to get out of here. One of you is going to have to take the sacrifice. <laughs> One of you guys is going to buy it. And it's kind of like, like, no, no, not me, not me. It's going to be you. No, no, not me. And they end up punching holes into it. Yeah, again, the visual storytelling. Because mm -hmm. it's it's all no dialogue. No. It's just sound effects. The one has a, a higher higher pitched cry than the other two. Boom! Boom! <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> like, you can tell just from the tone and the aggressiveness of the other two that it's like... There's there's something going on here, and then you figure it out very quickly. That yeah, they they kill the one, its guts spill out, and it just burns a big ass hole in oh, the floor. It burns a big ass hole, and Brad Dourif in uh, classic horror sci-fi dumbassery uh, goes to check it out. He's like, oh shit, they got out. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like pressing the button. He's like, oh shit, we got a real problem here. So he goes in, <laughs> and he looks down, and they have 
um, acid, the acid has gone down like seven or eight levels. Like, yeah. It's insane. Like, oh, they're out as fuck. Yeah, they, they gone. They're <laughs> gone. Like, this is a real problem. I can't believe this happened. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the biggest question, obviously, is why would you put more than one of them in a cell? I don't know. Didn't they see this happening? I'm, I'm sure well, they went after this. I mean, the, the small glimpse we had of the other cells, it looked like there was only one. I mean, and how big is this cell? It looks smaller than your apartment. You yeah. can't fit three xenomorphs yeah, it's, it's in there. Yeah, it's small. It's like... I, really though, why would you put these intelligent, violent creatures in a enclosure together? No. And how's the glass keeping it back? I don't. I, mean, I guess as long as the blood's in their then they're like in the shell. It's like you you know they have acid for blood. You do know that, right? <laughs> it's like I hope you knew that because it's like one of the things that they do. So yeah, um, I mean Ripley has acid for blood. Surely you know that. <laughs> Ripley tells Winona Ryder to suck it. Uh, get the fuck out of my office. Oh. Or, uh, Hand. Oh yeah, the hands. Yeah. Oh god. So Sigourney Weaver. You'll have to talk about. It. I can't yeah, we, we've mentioned uh, Sigourney Weaver's performance a couple times in this, and she does some stuff that it's it's not whimsical, but it's it's just too much. It's weird. It, it's weird and it's too much. She's, um, tr- she's trying to tell us that she is young and doesn't entirely understand her world, but also she has some kind of like weird connection with. The, the xenomorphs yeah when when the aliens are breaking out she like gets all weird and primal and like puts her ear to the floor and starts swaying and saying like i can hear them calling to me she does have a weird um i i did like this there was one she's like i can feel them behind my eyes like i can feel them it's a good line yeah that's a very good line um but there's a lot of bad lines in yeah. here but um like i'm the monster's mother for one that that's a little funky yeah Especially to say to that guy in that moment, it's like that's just mean. <laughs> like that's just weird and mean. But yeah, she does a thing. I think it was a trailer moment where she like cups her palms around Winona Ryder's face while she's standing over her and picks her up. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, that's weird. <laughs> and again, metallic fingernails. Like we're led to believe that they're just permanently like that. I'm guessing she has claws. She never uses them. But yeah, she does. A, she does a lot of stuff that feels like it should have been in a fantasy movie. Uh, the worst the worst example that, that comes to mind and always comes to mind since the first time I saw this movie is underwater um, after after booty girl buys it yeah after the butt like the butt's gone yeah. yeah after the butt buys it there's that shot where she's like watching and then she just kind of like she just kind of like wheels yeah. her head and it's meant to mean something and it's like that's just stupid. <laughs> That's just it, weird and stupid. I think they're trying to telegraph like she's playing both sides, but she's not playing both sides at all. But I'm like, I know she's not playing both sides. So she's it, it's just weird. They needed to make her more. They need to make her more vulnerable. I think because the the sequence with the clones and stuff. That's a very good sequence. In another movie, that would be brilliant. Yeah. It's a very good sequence, but it's like the only time we really see her bear her soul and be shown to be vulnerable yeah um because if if we really emphasize the confusion aspect of things if we really emphasize the fact that she is an aberration like she should not exist um and she doesn't understand where she lies in society like she definitely definitely is siding with the humans because one they're her she looks like them well she looks like them but more than that they're her way out yeah but if we if we did really push the a certain angle we could have it be up in the air it's like what does she want to do when she gets out yeah right uh, or we could really emphasize the connection with the aliens where it's like maybe she actually fits in with them better 
because we we do touch on that like there's that weird sequence that i think in certain countries is probably banned where she's being carried and it gets a little physical that <laughs> apparently that was one of the scenes that they were gonna cut out and she like demanded it stay in yeah I, i'm sure the director felt the same way um i don't i don't have a problem with it it's just it's weird it, it comes out of nowhere is yeah. the problem if you had hinted at that more like had more scenes of her like facing off with aliens and having like a weird moment where it's like i don't know if i actually want to fight you or something like that or maybe have the aliens react weird to her because they never do they treat her like another human throughout the entire movie the aliens are loose they've got the they end up pulling winona rider out of uh ripley's uh yeah i think you'll find that this was very (laughs) ill-advised says the big scary doctor man yeah, so he's like, now, like, you guys are all in trouble. So he goes back to the gym where everybody's chilling, and he's like, y'all... As far as I'm concerned, you all die with her! Yeah. Trailer yeah. shot. <laughs> <laughs> so we're clearly buying time here. Michael Wincott's like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> probably a fair idea there. I hope that my... Meanwhile, he's doing hand signals yeah. in the shape of a pistol at his friend from across the room dreads has already got it going like yeah so something we didn't mention uh is that when the pirates came on board the ship they were screened for weapons yeah not very poorly well. yeah very poorly, poorly. This, this is what pre-9-11 pre-9-11 yeah, yeah. pre-9-11 future yeah. space um <laughs> speaking of uh, pre-9-11 uh well, actually, post nine eleven. Um, I think they're about to ramp up security uh, at the at the bus stops and uh, the light rails in Seattle. Did you not know? The this last week, Friday night, there was a shooting at uh, Westlake Westlake Station. Somebody died. I did people. not know that. And then the next day, there was a stabbing. Like, yeah, at Westlake Station. I couldn't take I couldn't take the light rail home. I had to uh, take a lift because they were the, it wasn't running and downtown traffic was just. Completely. Oh my god! Yeah, they're gonna be. I mean, that is shocking. Yeah. They're going to be up in that security now at the uh, at the bus stops. I mean, they already have the to- they already have like the the route enforcement guys, but I mean, mm-hmm. look what happened at UW after yeah. the college campus stuff. Now they got they got rifles. Yeah. Uh, I would not be surprised if the the route guys start carrying some, something. Oh, so there's security guards down there, but I they've been a little lax since I was here last. So now I think it's about to kick back into yeah, gear. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to escalate and Probably gonna be armed because, yeah. as far as I know, they usually don't carry anything. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, I mean, but I don't do anything wrong. So. <laughs> I, don't do anything wrong. <laughs> I pay my I pay my way. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, you didn't pay? Pop pop. Like I pay my way. I'm an unassuming Asian man. Like they're, damn, they're not gonna pay me a second look. <laughs> they're just gonna be they're gonna be the T800 after John Connor says you can't kill anybody. They're just gonna be busting people's kneecaps oh, out. Oh, some of those kneecap oh, shots so are so good. Just like, oh! <laughs> There's one guy that just has like a strip. Oh yeah! Oh, I know exactly. Oh! Yeah, that one was bad. It's like, oh! That was the that was the one he that got falls me. Backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like lit. how everybody looks like Bozo the Clown with their gas masks in that scene. Yeah. Oh, I, I hated that. They looked like such assholes. <laughs> I'd like to do an episode of ter- like Arnold movies at one point, but that's one that's worth conversation. I feel like just for, for funsies. It would be the Chris Farleyest of Chris Farley shows. It would be way up there, but you know, can't hurt. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, so we're we're back in the the basketball court, I mm-hmm. believe, and all the pirates are gathered together. Uh, Doctor Wren's pissed off. He's there. He's shouting at everybody. Um. Then Michael Wincott signals his buddy. Mm-hmm. Um. But what I was saying before we started talking about uh buses and shootings and whatnot. Yeah. 
is that uh, the pirates, uh, they were screened for weapons. However, they managed to sneak aboard several weapons. All of them. Like, all the weapons. Every single weapon. Yeah. Uh, Ron Perlman's uh, liquor uh, thermos yeah. is actually a gun. Uh, the dreadlock gentleman, uh, Christy, this character's name, uh, he has, like... Joss Whedon has yeah. seen has seen a John Woo movie, <laughs> so or he, a western or, or Taxi Driver. That's the big one. Yeah, Taxi Driver. Yeah. Basically, it's a it's a slide out like forearm mounted pistol. He has yeah. two of them. They're like on mechanical sleeves, so he has those hidden on his person. And then uh, the French guy in the wheelchair, the motorized wheelchair, uh, has like parts on his on his chair that can be converted into like a shotgun. Uh, anyway, there's a big shootout here and uh, michael wincott just he he knows what's going on like he sees the writing on the wall he's like and then he just looks at dreadlocks he's like christy (laughs) just go ahead and start shooting yep a Um, lot of people get shot a lot of people get shot uh one guard one guard almost or two guards make it one guard almost makes it he doesn't um he uses uh christy uses like some kind of pool technique where he bounces the bullets off of the ceiling and hits the guy um yeah I, I love that guy's last words mm-hmm. um he's so this guy has curiously enough he's the only guy in the room with a helmet i wonder why it's like an it's like in a tony john movie when you see a guy with a big big afro it means he's about to get elbowed on the fucking head oh, okay because he's wearing a helmet okay um this guy's wearing a helmet so he can get shot on top of the head gotcha and you know rigging a squib to a person's head you know vincent d'onofrio took it like a champ but <laughs> not everybody's willing to have an explosive strap to their head. That was really good. That was really good. That was one of the best. That's, that's going to be on the it's, top ten. Yeah, it's it's one of the better squibs in cinema history. One of the more notable, noteworthy ones. But yeah, he he does this ricochet shot. It uh, comes into play a little later in the movie. Um, <laughs> that guy's last words is like, he's holding a gun to the back of Christie's head. And he, like, quickly, like, whips to Ron Perlman for a second. He's like, you, drop that piece of shit! Because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even know what it is. It's a yeah. thermos that shoots. <laughs> like, That's pretty good. But, oh, oh yeah, um, Ron Perlman has a great moment here before the shooting. Uh, it may have been improvised, I don't know. But there's a soldier holding a gun to his back. And he turns around after the guy jabs him with the butt of, with the... The oh, he just takes the, it from him? He yeah. takes it from him. He says, don't ever touch me. And then yeah. gives, it, gives back it back to him. him. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I was like, that's pretty good. But this is a, this is where our cast basically gets assembled. Mostly. There's still a couple more people who get introduced later. Um, but this gentleman. Joke, or sniper. Uh, <laughs> uh, the guy from uh, Training Day. Sniper, yeah. yeah. Is that his name in that? Yeah, Sniper. That's why I keep saying Sniper. Really? Sniper. Click it, on Training Day. His uh, name's Sniper. Sniper. <laughs> I didn't know his name. I just, I just knew him as the he shit has, pushed in. He guy. has a tattoo of a person being shot in crosshairs. Oh. It's easier to remember. I always knew him as the shit pushed in guy. Yeah. <laughs> I go with sniper because that that's a, a not a great quote to, you know. Re- yeah. Re- yeah. Well, I think he actually has military experience because he ends up in a lot of these roles. And uh, he was also in The Rock as one of the Marines. He's a bad guy. He's one of the bad guys in uh, Breaking Bad. I mean, he's a he's a good solid actor. Like, tight, he, tight, tight. <laughs> he he's, he does what he does, but he's great. In basically, it. everyone except Doctor Wren and Sniper, uh, Raymond Cruz, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the pirates and those two. Yeah, and Winona Ryder's with them too, and Sigourney Weaver. Uh, yeah, the rest of the movie is them just trying to get off the ship. Yeah, and we That's go through the it. Whole... It turns into Deep Rising. It just well, Deep Rising it. turns into Alien Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, I just got to hop, skip, jump, try to get off this ship, but uh, it it's not easy. 
Yeah, it turns into a variety of set pieces. Basically, we're trying to find a way off the ship, and then later on, we're trying to find a way to crash the ship. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're just trying to get back to the pirate ship, the Betty, yeah. and escape. It takes the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um. Um, but meanwhile, what is Dan Hedaya up to? I don't know. <laughs> um, it's pretty great, actually. So now that the aliens are loose, um, Dan Hedaya calls like for an evacuation of the ship because oh, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. contamination. It's regarded as a contamination. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. It's pretty fucking funny. Um, and we get this really intensely edited sequence. Like It feels like an energetic action scene of all the soldiers on board the ship fleeing and running to like escape pods that are jettisoned from the craft. It's, it's very energetic. The music's going nuts. Um, then we get this really awful scene <laughs> where we get to see this guy, the soldier, he's like the last one, and he's in his, his wife beater. He hasn't even had time to put on his full uniform. And he like sprints to this escape pod, and he slides down the, the ladder. He straps himself in. He's jacked up. He's ready to go. And then we get this just this lazy exterior shot of an alien just kind of like curiously crawling into it yeah. <laughs> it's just like oh hmm, what's in here oh a lot of people i should eat them yeah and, and then get some tasty blood splatter yeah, and then dan hedaya is like fuck all right <laughs> fuck and just tosses a grenade in there and that then... is a he is a fucking bowling champ yeah damn that was a good role he gets right in, and then he's given like a, a salute <laughs> as he blows them up it's pretty good it was, uh, i was laughing the, at the best part and this is dan hedaya doing what he does best uh so I don't know why this grenade has a remote trigger attached to it. But yeah, I was actually going to ask the same thing. Yeah, uh, Dan Hedaya rolls a grenade into the pod, and that it is jettisoned, but he has a remote control to detonate it, and we get to see the pod explode. But when he depresses the button, like he holds it very far away from himself, and you can see him have like one eye open. He's like, <laughs> like it's like he's holding the bomb, and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he gives the salute, and then uh, his death is curiously violent, but like not explicitly. But uh, basically, an alien sneaks up behind him and tiny mouths him in the mm. back of the head. And then we don't cut though; we we retain the close up of his face, and he's like cross-eyed, bleeding out the nose. And then he reaches back and he pulls brain matter yeah. out of the back of his head, and he looks at it in his Dan Hedaya way. And then we cut. It's like. That's grotesque. <laughs> yeah, if you get hit so hard in the back of the head that you have brain mat like like brains hanging out, you're unconscious. Like you're not you're not touching the back of your tough head. guy. Oof. I mean, I mean, he did go toe to toe with Arnold, Commando. Oh, have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he has an accent in that. It's not it's not his finest moment. It doesn't even feel like an Arnold movie. That's the thing. Hey 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 hey! It, you take that back. Uh, no, no, it, Com- feel, it feels more like a Steven Seagal movie. Yes, but Commando Commando's funny because it's it's not the it's not Arnold's best movie, but it's it's the best silhouette of what what your average person thinks of when they think of an Arnold movie. I think of what Steven Seagal movies were like there was Commando and then Arnold started doing more fun movies and Steven Seagal like, I'm gonna take this template Arnold started doing smarter movies <laughs> that template became all all the other Arnold shit started reading did. the script before he showed up he just started throwing the rest of those movies away and, and then you're Steven Seagal the, yeah you can take my leftovers <laughs> Sly I got you a present it's called Demolition Man Jean-Claude Van Damme needed <laughs> movies where he could show off his splits and ass and there had to be a naked lady Hey, he actually is usually pretty good with the ladies. 
I know he's good with that. I mean, no, I mean, like, he's he's pretty good about, like, keeping it keeping it cool. He's still got to show him naked, though. Well, yeah, no, his butt has to be in the movie. Otherwise, it's not a Van Damme movie. Steven Seagal has to... Dude, he's, he punches... Or, I think, somebody punches the lady with the boobs in Under Siege, and then he shoots a woman through the wall. Remember, he shoots the lady marked for death? He's just shooting the naked lady through the wall. I'm like, jeez, mm, Steven. I mean, he's only had, what, five marriages? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, but Commando to me, it's like, see, your perspective's different because you are a, a learned Arnold fan. Correct. Like you, you've seen the, you've dove deep into his filmography. You've seen Red Heat. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, but I think for a casual observer, someone who isn't terribly familiar with his movies, like if you showed them like the trailer for that or just like the highlights of that, it's like that's probably the image that a person has yeah. when they think of an Arnold movie. Whereas like you and I, it's like, no, no. It's like, no, he's got way better than that. Kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't have too many notes through here because it's pretty much just like, it's somebody dies, they're trying to get to this part. Somebody dies, they're trying to get to this well, part. It, yeah, it becomes it becomes a disaster movie. It's, yeah, it's a different movie. Because we, it, it, that's the rhythm from here on out. Yeah. Is, uh, we, we regroup, we, we do some exposition, somebody dies. We regroup, we take a break. Somebody dies, and that keeps we progress in inches. But the first major death here is un, is very unfortunate yes. for, for you in particular. Yeah, I did. I remember re, uh, watching it all the way through, all the way through to the first. I'm like, man, he died really quick. <laughs> um, Michael Wincott gets it um, off screen, more or Unceremoniously. less. Unceremoniously, you could have given him a. Fu- he can die really well. We've discussed this in three. He months. does die very well in this movie. He, he does, but. I was gonna say he dies really well in Prince of in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Three Musketeers. Uh, I may have been mistaken. <laughs> um, he does die pretty good here, but he dies like um, uh, it, the dude in Deep Rising, like from the half. He gets halved. Yeah, they halved him. Yeah, it's it's the opening of Lake Placid, or a, or like a Tremors death kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Wincott. This is a weird sequence. I always thought the blocking of it was very puzzling. Um, because basically all the pirates are together. By the way, the uh, the tiny Frenchman had a close encounter with an alien. Um, oh, yeah. He gets acid dripped onto his thigh and his ear. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, couldn't feel the leg though. No. Thank- thankfully, but yeah, he whips out his shotgun, and takes some shots at. It. We get a cool zoom shot of his ugly mug. Yeah. And going ah. <laughs> but yeah, everybody's reunited at this point, as far as I remember. Um, and then Michael Wincott, for whatever the fuck reason, um, he's. He's already carrying two rifles. Yeah. He has two rifles. Like a contra game, yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's doing this. He, yeah. He's got he's got two rifles at the ready, and then he sees a third rifle. He's like, well, I better go pick that up. Yeah. And then he, he wanders down the hallway. We get like a suspenseful build. Like, is something going to happen? Nothing happens. Now he has three rifles. He sees a fourth rifle. And he's like, well, I better pick that up well i mean that that one's the spreader you know well, at least the it, best gun in the game well, it's got this one's got the rockets that anywhere you shoot it it goes to where it needs to go it. i want the h gun you know that's the one that shoots behind you yeah it's like you want to get the c gun when you're fighting a boss though <laughs> contra three for those of you out yeah. there uh, so he sees the c gun yeah and he he's like he doesn't have enough guns <laughs> so he needs to get the fourth gun and then the floor gives out and he's like how he's his bottom half is in the floor yeah and he didn't you know 
he wears a baggy sweater in this movie. I don't think Michael Wincott's a terribly jacked fellow. He's not. I he's, think he's fairly skeletal. I would say he's about <laughs> five nine and about a hundred and fifty pounds. Based on the depth of his cheekbones, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah, he's having some trouble with his upper body strength. He's not able to get himself out of this hole. And then, unfortunately, there's an alien down there that just kind of sees half a Wincott dangling from the ceiling, so yeah. it decides to stick his tiny mouth through his torso. And the reason I say he has a good death is because we don't really get to see any detail. We know he's impaled. But we don't but, want him to die. Oh, of course we don't want him to die, but he does it so well. Yeah. Uh, but why I say it's a great death is because um, his facial acting... So the the impact, the actual gore, is mostly obscured by shadows and stuff. But when he re- when he flips his head back and spits blood into the air, the way the blood falls on his face and his shocked expression, it's like it's painterly. Yeah, it's like the director was probably just like, bravo. <laughs> like, I mean, if, <laughs> I mean, if I was on the set, God, like David. honestly, if you look at that shot, it's like, fuck. Oh, yes. He, he saw, I'm sure the director saw Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Three Musketeers. I'm like, this guy's going to die in my movie. Michael, <laughs> you're going to die in this film. You will die. You're going to die, and it's going to be spectacular. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's like, but he's, I don't know what the fuck he just said, but uh, do I get paid today? <laughs> they, it, do, it does crack me up. Like, he's like, he kind of gives out like a scream or something and they all come running like we gotta pull him up man I'm like he's dead uh, <laughs> like he's got some stuff hanging and out he, the one guy kind of realizes it pulling him up dude. he's like he's way less heavy than he's supposed to be dude uh, I think he's like, dead uh, I think we got half a wind caught <laughs> and the lady with the butt's pretty upset about yeah. it and again we're calling her lady with the butt because she says almost nothing in this movie and I don't know what her name is like that's literally her character dynamic is that She's hot, and you see her butt a little bit. Like, the last shots she's in in this movie are, are of her butt underwater. Yeah. <laughs> she is a butt, and it's a spectacular butt. she got cool hair, dude, too. I like it. Yeah. Like, the way it's tied back, it's kind of cool. And she got cool scars, it's too. Like a hotter, like a hotter Michelle Rodriguez. That's yeah, the she's got like, she got, like, a maybe Hispanic thing going, but it's like, yeah. it could be, like, a weird mix, like an Israeli-Hispanic thing going. It's like a, That's interesting. Whatever it is, it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's not a character. She's a butt. She's not a character, um, but... Uh, and we, she's very upset. We kill Michael Wincott, and then uh, uh, Sniper has decided to join forces with this group because uh-huh. he realizes that his boss is a dick, and these guys are the best-case scenario of him making it out. Yeah. Um, where do we go from here? Uh, Ripley joins them. Oh yeah, Ripley joins them. Uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver's <coughs> back in this film. You're never going to hear me complain about her in a film except for this one. <laughs> yeah, her entrance is uh, really unfortunate. She uses Michael Wincott's torso. Yes, yes. So there's so the xenomorph, the, the xenomorph. I thought it was the guy in the wheelchair. I'm like, well, how the fuck did he do that? Uh, it it's those on him. So the xenomorph is uh, like is like coming up behind them and they're trying to get through this door they can't get through the door or whatever and Xenomorph's coming and then all of a sudden through Michael Wincott's body uh, it gets shot <laughs> yeah a, a, a rifle <laughs> sticks through his chest into the mouth of an alien <laughs> pretty fucked up yeah um, yeah well not as fucked up as John C. McGinley in Platoon you like hiding under somebody's dead body it is he does get his though he's like alright you're going back out and he's like yeah. <laughs> he's about to cry <laughs> I mean 
He was very good in that movie. Uh, I did like I like John C. McGinley yeah, just in general. Does. He's just a very talented actor. But yeah, so anyway, uh, Ripley saves the day, and uh, they, they have to move on now. Uh, I don't know what the plan is. I'm kind of not paying attention to the dialogue at this point because mostly, I know what's happening. It's mostly incidental. You're you're right. It, it's the details don't matter. No. All we know it. All we need to know is we need to stick together and get from point A to point B. Correct. Uh, whatever happens in between is just meant to entertain. I gotta stay in the middle of the line. Someone in front. Someone in back. Uh, let's keep moving. Butt girl was last. I'm just saying. She was at the end of the line. That's what happens when you're at the end of the line. (laughs) You would think she'd be first. Oh! Oh! Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so where do they go? Where do they go to now? Uh, so Ripley has joined the group. Um, I can't recall what happens first. Um, either we go to the water chamber first, or we go to the clone chamber uh, and I can't recall which happens first, but which would you like to talk about first? Of the two chambers. Sam again, please. Uh, clones or water? I, clones. I keep thinking. I think it's the clones. Yeah, clones. Uh, is this where she uh, she she this, sees all the different... Yeah. I think this was one of the scenes that she wanted to keep in as well. Yeah, I, as far as I understand, this was one of the scenes, maybe the only scene in the, in the script for the film that kind of kept rip... rip or Ripley or Sigourney Weaver involved like she's an actress she wants to try new things this was this was an example of that Uh, so the clone chamber that we've been mentioning throughout this this whole thing uh, is basically uh, where we learn the significance of a tattoo that we were shown very explicitly a few times on her forearm it's it's a number eight Um, basically uh, she finds a chamber and I unlocks the door i think i think they have to use one of the doctor's like breath signatures or something to get in that's a really gross way to have to get in by the way yeah no i mean you don't want to touch that thing (laughs) like god forbid you actually have to manually punch in the numbers (laughs) that shit's been breathed on by god knows how many people so these are actually her previous seven aborted genetic exactly incarnations Um, so she enters the chamber and holy shit this is a set um whoever built this uh the people who built this did a great fucking job. I just Kyle's slipping me a look. <laughs> so I just I'm kind of going through the trivia because I was looking for another point I wanted to make oh. uh, on the IMDb. Um, I just found this one. I don't know if this is true, but a full size newborn animat- animatronic puppet was the newborn's the gross thing at the end was originally filmed with genitals that were mixed between male and female genitals. Oh yeah, I knew that. They had to be digitally removed on studio orders. I did not know that. I just no, I, I, I knew that. Um, that's very similar to Waterworld, where. Uh, Kevin Costner's hairline had to be digitally adjusted for the underwater shots. Oh, really? Because he didn't like it's his it's his movie. Yeah. He so he insisted CGI art CGI compositors. You can uh, say that about most movies he's in. Adjusted his hairline to make it look better underwater. Oh, Not my. only that, the uh, the gills on his neck looked like vaginas to test audiences. So yeah. they also had to edit those in post. Okay, so Sigourney, I mentioned earlier that Sigourney Weaver uh, probably made about 10% of the gross of what the, the film cost. She actually made more than that. I thought so. Adjusted for inflation, she would have made 10%. <laughs> she actually made $11 million to come back as Ripley. That's why she doesn't have to do much anymore. Well, she didn't have to try that hard. Because this, that was so smart of her. Like, there's like, come on, just, just come back. Please come back. Nice. Sorry. They, I mean... You and I were saying off-air, they probably could have converted the script into a non-alien product, and it would have done well enough. Yeah. I mean, it 
I would imagine it could have been as successful as like an Event Horizon or something. Event Horizon, same year. Event Horizon is a decent movie. In fact, aren't they trying to make a TV series out of it right now for like Netflix or something? I can see that. They uh, are. They are. Uh, yeah, I love Event Horizon. A lot of people do. Oh, it's, it's Sam Neill. It, it's Sam Neill. I feel and... like it's probably Paul W. S. Anderson's best movie. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. It. I don't think it ends well. Like it, it turns into a Paul W. S. Anderson movie. At the yeah. End. <laughs> but up until then, it's pretty... I... actually funny enough. It reminds me a lot of uh, Remember Verses. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of that director's work. Okay. Um, yeah. Ryuhei Kitamura. Like it. He has tendencies. That he can't help himself, and it's like. You really need to get away from those, man. Like, yeah. not every movie you make needs to have fucking martial arts in it. Like, Midnight <laughs> M- Midnight Meat Train? I haven't seen that. It's, it's like a... I think it's based on a Clive Barker book. Oh. And it, it's it's baby Bradley Cooper. Like, before the success. And oh. Vinnie Jones. Oh. And it's it's a horror movie. And then the, the finale of it is a fist fight in hell between Bradley Cooper and Vinnie Jones. Sold. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said, yeah. but, but the point is, up until then, it's a straight-up horror movie, but because it's a Ryuhei Kitamura oh. movie, it turns into a fucking fist fight at the end. Yeah, so the seven incarnations before her are fucking disgusting. Uh, yeah. They're all really cool. It's all really cool-looking. I mean, um, lovingly designed, like, puppets. And then puppets. There, puppets! And then there is a Ripley on the bed, and we get the one, we get the, the line, please kill me. Yeah, um, it, it's tradition since, I think, Aliens, or like we said, maybe the director's cut of the first film with Tom Skerritt. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an alien in you, or you're in trauma of some sort, uh, in the alien movies, generally you say, "Kill me." And she kills her in the worst possible way. The worst possible way. <laughs> Sets her on fire. The, I mean, oftentimes described as the most painful death imaginable. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, of- oftentimes described. <laughs> besides, yeah, I don't think there's a more painful way. Uh, it's probably the worst. Um, yeah, she sets the, like she sets all these gross shit on fire, and gets out. Uh, when does Leland Orser come around? Leland Orser, I think, shows up before the water. Okay. So right after this. So yeah, Leland. Yeah, he's in the water with them. Nineties um, uh, one trick pony character actor uh, Leland Orser. It's such a good trick, though. It is a good. It's it, such a. He good does trick. it really well. Uh, fidgety weasel man. Fees, fidgety, no confidence, just yeah. <laughs> I just rewatched Seven. He does really good in that. He's good in Saving Private Ryan too. Like yes, he's he's, I, I he's, like that. he's a little more calmed down. He's calmed down, but it's a good it's a good performance. Yeah. Um, um, also, yeah. weirdly enough, he's in Daredevil. I don't I don't remember he's a, a second of Daredevil. Yeah, he's he's a character named Wesley. He's just like the kingpin's assistant, and he's. He's he, just a nut. He has oh, he has frosted highlights in it. <laughs> it looks horrible, but he doesn't really do anything. Yet. But yeah, Leland Orser is introduced to us um, when we're we continue to explore the ship. By the way, uh, Sigourney Weaver's one really good acting moment moment in the movie is when she burns all the clones and stuff. The reason why I wanted to draw attention to that set is because every prop in there is practical. Yeah, they built that fucking set, and yeah. the the makeup effects on on the clone that is talking to Ripley are grotesque. Yeah. It's awful to look at. As a, as a child, even now, I mean, but especially as a child, that, that was the scene that whenever this movie was on, I would leave the room. I can see that. Because I just didn't want to see that. It's just really awful. I realized as an adult, I cannot watch the Sarah Connor dream in T2 when uh, they the bomb goes off. I can't watch it. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I still can't watch it. Wow. I skipped through it. 
Wow. I'm not because I, I started to watch it. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Wow. Yeah. That's shocking to me. Right. But, I mean, I had a similar relationship with this scene. Yeah. Though. It's like because I I did watch this movie a lot like around that time like Anaconda this and like yeah anything with monsters I would watch all the time but this, this scene was a blockbuster I mean the the franchise blockbuster year for me like these were all movies me that, too yeah me too it was Absolutely. a huge year for blockbuster no I mean case in point like I said I, my on my birthday yeah. I, I asked my mom to take me to see the lost world I <laughs> rented Titanic Austin Powers Fifth Element Lost World Jurassic Park Men in Black Men in Black, Men in Black, uh, Men in Black, <laughs> Spawn, Anaconda, Batman and Robin, Men in Black, and then to f- finish it up, Men in Black. So yeah, <laughs> Men in Black was kind of a big deal. Those were the blockbuster movies of 1997. <laughs> Men in Black and some other stuff. Yeah, some other Men stuff. in Black and uh, Boat. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, Leland Orser we meet in the in the embryo chamber, I guess. Uh, we're just investigating the ship, and none of the characters, none of the pirates, of course, they don't know anything about this. Um, and we got a live one! Yeah, and, so, yeah. Oh yeah, he has no idea where he's at, because he's, again, one Get of away the... from me! Get away from me! Get oh, away from so me! That's like, that's like a core of his acting abilities. He repeats himself a lot. <laughs> uh, he is one of the one of the people one of the hosts that were taken from their ship and now has a xenomorph inside of him. I don't know what the logic is. I do like her matter of fact, like you're gonna fucking die and it's gonna be awful. Yeah. And I don't know why they don't fucking kill him. But someone's like, no, 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 don't do that. We've got a we've got a doctor or something. They'll cut it out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You kill him. You kill him and the thing inside well, of him. I don't understand why they listen to Winona Ryder. No. Like, she has no authority. She has no authority she here. She has no authority in the room whatsoever, but for some reason they acquiesce. But I think I... I mean, I get, I get her... Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know. She is very... Mm. I mean, Kyle, I, I helped a pretty girl in my apartment complex move. <laughs> move out. What a loser. <laughs> I know. It was, it was not a happy time. I've helped people move before, but it was, it was genuinely because I know they needed help. So. Well, that, that was actually my case, too, because her mom was kind of old. Yeah, didn't want. Sometimes you gotta do the right thing. Yeah, you gotta do the right thing. <laughs> but doesn't mean you can't ask to, you know, get a coffee or something. <laughs> like, so get a coffee. Oh, sorry, I have a boyfriend. What the fuck is an e here? <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> seriously, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, Leland Orser, why does he stay? Oh, well, Winona Ryder. We learn later on why she, why she's a strong well, advocate. Don't yeah, spoil. Well, it's not it. That's so important. Like, it's the movie's so character driven. Right. <laughs> Um, we learn later on why she wants to keep him alive, but uh, Sigourney Weaver has her weird speech to him, like like you have. She explains to him that he has an alien inside him, and uh, we get another trailer moment where he screams, "What's inside me?" Yeah. Except uh, in the movie, it's "What's in fucking side me?" Yeah, <laughs> um, it's nineties. Yeah, you can't you can't put those words on TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really know what the logic is, uh, but. At the end of the day, he's with them, and uh, the plan is to get him on the Betty so they can put him in a cryotube, and then they can have the evil doctor cut it out of him. Yeah. He's not going to help you. What do you think the evil doctor's going to do once he cuts it out? He's going to put it in a glass jar. He's going to put it mantle. in his pocket and jump out into space with a parachute and saying, So long, Ooh, suckers! suckers. Yeah. <laughs> you doing that Tommy Lee Jones laugh. <laughs> oh my god! In Batman. Oh, that's so embarrassing. I like that. I love that. I love that laugh. 
Because you don't get too many Tommy Lee Jones laughs. It's a, it's a fun laugh. But anyway, uh, so. If I, if I say the line, we'll drive, thank you. We'll drive, thank you. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so bad. So, moving along here, and uh, they're like, we have to get out. So, we get to. We the gotta go swim. So, for some reason, we get to water. Like, it's the cooling tank. It must be flooded. Who opened it up? And we're like, oh, I wonder if it was the xenomorphs. Oh, I don't know. Who cares? It's only if they can open doors. But. <laughs> <laughs> But now they have to swim, and this has to be the most unrealistic uh, swimming underwater sequence I've seen. Uh, the abyss, well, one, it would have smashed their heads in because of the depth that they're at. You think? Uh, <laughs> but regardless, like it's still realistic, like how they're having to move. It's like quick, and it, it, it moves by at a pace. Like, okay, I feel like I could hold my breath this long. Yeah. They are blowing out air underwater, and it's like a it seems like five minutes they're swimming down there. Yeah, they're pretty casual about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially yeah. Butt Girl. She's just kind of like looking she's around. Like, she's like, it's like she's in a coral reef or something, snorkeling. Panic! You have to keep moving. All right, you got to keep swimming. It's like you have aliens on your ass. Literally, the ship is on fire in parts. Like you, you got to hustle. You got to uh, hustle. So yeah, she she's at the back of the line, and uh, we get this is where the CGI xenomorphs come in. Um, they're swimming after her. Obviously, the xenomorph gets her. Uh, she doesn't make it, unfortunately. Yeah, she doesn't get an on-screen death either, which is kind of unfortunate because this movie does have some pretty good violence. It it does uh, at times. Like it's very inconsistent, but when it when it wants to, holy shit, they can turn it up. Yeah, so they're swimming and still swimming. Uh, I think she's the only one that dies underwater. You do get the uh, the Sigourney Weaver you were talking like she has like this weird under. Yeah, she gives like a. Unknowing, like a. <laughs> it was like she. It was like she almost watched it. She saw it coming. She knew there was nothing that she could do. But I feel like there was something she could have done because she's pretty strong. She could have like bopped it on the nose or something to try to get it away. <laughs> uh, um, she just watches and she keeps swimming. So now we have a real problem. We are about to drown. Yeah. Uh... This this whole sequence is is meant to be like an action set piece. Yeah, like it, it it's well thought out. Abyss, deep blue sea, it's got that same feel. It it's I appreciate it when a movie does that when it commits to like okay we're doing this for the next five minutes. Don't worry about anything else. We're just doing this. I uh, like that. Deep rising. Yeah. Um, in this case, uh, so we transition directly from the water sequence. By the way, uh, Christy is now carrying the wheelchair-bound gentleman on his Yeah, back. insane. I um, mean, he does remark just like old times, so apparently this is something they do, so they have master blastored before, or blaster mastered before. I was actually trying to, like, can I do this to somebody? I'm like, I'm like the lightest one of my friends. I'm like, I don't have the leg strength to carry any of those. Dude, did you see how the little guy's legs were, like, oof. Yeah. Ooh, he limber. Yeah. He's real limber. Uh, that looked uncomfortable, but yeah, he's they're strapped together, so keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, as we get to the end of this water passage, uh, the the part where they're expecting to come out uh, is covered up with fucking a sack of some yeah, kind, like or... some sort of embryonic sack of alienism, and... and it's surrounded by eggs. Yeah, so you yeah say so like so I'm like oh shit if they get in there those things are gonna open right up. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah, uh, it's a good set piece. Yeah, it's, it is really like good. especially any any kid who's gone swimming and gotten trapped under a raft or something. Yeah, 
or a tarp. Panic. You sets. panic. You panic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've done that. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's not fun. And that's exactly where our heroes are at. They can't punch through, and they were expecting this to be the end of the, this leg of the journey, and it's like, oh, I can't breathe. Nobody drowns here. Oh, apparently Ron Perlman almost drowned doing one of these scenes. He I hit, heard that, yeah. He hit his head so hard that he went unconscious, and... But nobody drowns. I feel like somebody they could have clipped somebody else like with drowning here, but eh, that's uh, I think it it would have done a disservice to the aliens. Right. Although that would actually be really funny if you had a beat where like the aliens are chasing them and then like one of them does a private Ryan and gets like weighed down by their equipment and is like drowning and the aliens like running after them that and then it just like pauses and it's like well never mind. <laughs> like I don't care if you're dead already. <laughs> like, we could almost do movie deaths. Just from that movie, because I I'm like I forgot about that one. That's a really good death. That's the guy who horrible. gets his helmet hit with a bullet takes it off. Clip. Well, yeah, the one I was talking about was uh, one of the guys who doesn't even get shot. Yeah, he's he the just, one that jumps his, over the his boat. Rifles just weighing him down. And he can't get up. I remember and that he drowns. One. It's awful. That sucks. Drowning is I'm terrifying. So pissed. Yeah, but uh, that would have actually been like a cute moment where you could have done some like. They don't do a whole lot of like. Uh, storytelling with the aliens like in terms of behavior they're just kind of like a means to an end as far as action set pieces go and the, they're I'm, just they're just an obstacle I, I like i like what we did in the previous movies where we get to see some hints as to like patterns in their behavior mm -hmm. so what i was what i was just theorizing is like what if they're driven to kill and to breed like it's not so much about food it's just like kill or breed uh so like what i was saying is like what if like one of them rolled up on somebody who just drowned and it's like it's like an attack mode and then it's like oh it's already dead oh he's dead never mind <laughs> it's like i'm gonna go after the other ones <laughs> like it would be kind of cool to see something like that but like you said nobody drowns but we do get out of the water um uh ripley gets a face hugger on her yeah I'm which like, is really strange because yeah. she'd be the last person you'd expect that to happen to yeah it doesn't make any sense because she's already like a thing she's yeah i mean Going by Alien 3 logic, you would expect the aliens to not be terribly interested in harming one of their own. Yeah. Unless, you know, they're trying to escape. <laughs> but if she can sense them, and they can sense her. Yeah, like, she can sense them, so you'd expect but them to have that instinct as arguably well. Arguably, the face huggers don't have any intelligence. They're just looking for warm. Sure. So, sure. she still has I mean, a body. It's not a problem. No, it's just it's, it's just of all the people to get that, she'd be the last one I'd expect. So, that piece of shit, uh, what's his name, Dr what's the Ren. dr Ren? yeah christy blows up a whole bunch of eggs with his uh yeah his uh bank shot by the way he blows up the eggs uh dr Ren gets up there with winona Ryder. he takes her gun he shoots her in the stomach and she falls down and they're all really pissed super dramatic music beat yeah. by the way I, I like i read a bit of the trivia too and apparently this this piece of music that plays over this set piece took quite a while to compose because really. the director was like do it better do it better, do it, better. <laughs> it still didn't work for me it's like you don't understand winona is winona got shot she's very she needs dead. all the orchestra every instrument <laughs> i don't think she's very good in this movie either no this isn't her this isn't her wheelhouse no uh we, she, we didn't mention it yeah. she i think she's better at being slightly unlikable <laughs> Yeah, like, I liked Heather's. her in Edward Scissorhands quite a bit. She's good in Edward, and she's kind of not great in that. Like, it, as far as like goodliness, <laughs> I think her, the best movie I've seen her in is Heather's, in my opinion. See that, but isn't she that kind of character too, where she's maybe a little bit obnoxious? She's, she's fucked in the head yeah, in that movie. It, see, I think she's better at that. Yeah, like, as opposed to playing a pixie sweet girl, you know. She's pretty good in uh, Stranger Things too. Uh, 
I heard that actually. She's pretty good in there. I mean, she's always been a selling point for me. Any anyone in our relative age range, I she's no, imagine. She's no Christina Ricci, but you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, the the dude gets some. Well, one of the aliens spits. Uh, Controversial. Yeah. Controversial. Yeah, I I agree because aliens have their saliva is not acidic. It is their blood. It's the only instance in maybe the entire series canon that I can recall that ever happened. It happens twice in this movie, actually. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so and, and there was there were other ways you could have done that, like bite his leg off or anything, anything. <laughs> like yeah, that what Kyle's talking about is Christy is on he's on the ladder. He's got the midget guy on his back, and a yeah, the alien's climbing up after him, and it spits acid on his face, and we get some dramatic shots of his face all burned. It's actually not that bad. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> but he quits on life. Yeah, he just stops. The face burning is so bad. Well, for him, he's very handsome, so I can yeah, see how yeah, he'd be very... He's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> I mean, Seal still had a career after he was burned by an acid attack. Uh, literally. That's literally what happened to Seal. That's why his face looks like that. So this guy, uh, his face is burning. He's just not having it anymore. He's got to give up on life, so he's falling. And the, the, the little guy grabs a hold of him like, this guy has absolutely no upper body strength because he has an electric wheelchair he's not even like rolling it with his hands like he has no upper body yeah, strength he's holding holding the two, on he's, the he's holding him and the xenomorph is pulling on the leg sorry i spit on your face right. um <laughs> uh, he's holding a jacked dude and an alien well a headless alien but still an alien because ron perlman shoots it yeah uh he cuts himself loose uh the, the, and then he this it, bothered me even as, especially as a kid because i was like what he, happened? Did, he didn't die like he seemed okay. Like he burnt. I, I think it's implied he either drowned or he got into a tussle with the xenomorph. I think it's implied he drowned. Yeah. But it's like what? What what are we doing, guys? He fell into a, a water hole. Like yeah. that's exactly what a you water hole. That's what you want to fall into if you're gonna fall from a great height. Uh yeah, so the doctor gets in through the door and locks them in and he's on his way doing stuff and then they're like all hope is lost and then Winona Ryder shows up at the door. And they're all, they all have a look like, how the fuck did you get over there? Not, not even that you got shot. I was like, how the fuck did she get there? They're like, you got shot in the stomach. Like, you should be dead. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense that she swam back all the way through, went back around. It doesn't make sense in the timeline. <laughs> but she pulls aside her her little shirt there. And wouldn't you know it? Boom, boom, boom. She's an android. Yeah, she is a synthetic person, much like Bishop. She has that milky white blood. Milky. Um, and we get a pretty lengthy exposition scene in a back room where, again, we've regrouped because we, we just lost a couple people. So, you know, we got yeah, to take we gotta a regroup. Yeah. yeah, we got to regroup. Then somebody can die. Yeah. <laughs> can't have too much happen too quickly. Literally, that's how everybody dies in Saving Private Ryan. We get to the one town, somebody dies. The next town, somebody dies. Next town, somebody dies. Yeah. They just keep it, happening. It's a, it's a very familiar rhythm. You know, it's cozy. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, Sniper uh, exposits here that uh, he'd heard about androids like her. That apparently, in this far-flung future, we have androids building other androids. Yeah, they're really excited about it. Like, well, yeah, yeah, he's giddy. <laughs> even Ron Perlman's like, what? No! <laughs> I did not see that coming. Damn. It's, it's an interesting sequence because, well, not good, but interesting because I think... I think there was a lot that didn't make it into the movie. There is? Probably. Uh, because a lot of what's being said here and the manner in which it's delivered is what we're supposed to be getting here, and we don't really get it because it's a very confused movie in terms of tone. 
is that like she's devalued instantly like as soon as they learn she's an artificial person they stop treating her as a person yeah and we're meant to empathize with her but winona's not really here to try (laughs) (laughs) and like all of her scenes are with sigourney weaver who's also not here to try no so we end up not really caring about it but i i I know what you're trying to do yeah like it she the angle has her like in the foreground she's looking all mopey basically it's supposed to have us being like oh mom it's kind of like a mom another kind of mom daughter but also maybe like a sex there's a little bit of a sexual it's french it's It's a little bit it's very french if you watch like the city lost children even it's so interesting because uh ron perlman is like this big brother or like a not, not even a dad like a big brother or uncle who's like looking after these kids but there's even like just a hint not like Leon the professional where it's like you have this young girl trying to make like trying to bang a dude yeah, like, yeah. but there's a moment where she has like like a little like a little energy and that's it it's just hinted at really quick and then it's more like she just turns into like this is like a big brother to me now I, there's something I don't know what it is culturally <laughs> that's going on over there but I, I noticed it here. Yeah, I, it's I don't just quite, as it's just as subtle. I don't quite understand it either, but they're definitely playing with some themes here, where we have an artificial person who's devalued because because of what she is, and then we have mm. an, a genetic aberration that's neither alien nor human, and that maybe they find a relationship in there because they're both outsiders. Mm-hmm. But it's all so hazy that it doesn't really add up to much. In fact, we get a church scene here with the two of them together. That's the way it's lit and the tone in which it's spoken makes you think that there's a lot more going on than there is. Didn't really get much out of it. <laughs> well, the only professional I took as a you know a male French director, um, kind of exploring the frustrations of um, young adolescent girls' sexual maturity with regards to an older man well, and the older man's having to struggle with trying well, to make it clear. also didn't she have like a shit relationship with her family yeah she didn't she was from a broke from a broken home you know exactly yeah so it's a lost little girl that's just like grasping for whatever and it's like well he's what i got i need to watch more i need to i need to there's a movie coming out i wrote on my list and i forgot it now but it's uh supposed to be very anyway sorry <laughs> Um, but yeah, keep no, basically they they take advantage of Call being a synthetic person. Um, she plugs in really weird. I thought that was she got a little uh, birthmark that yeah, yeah she she pulls on and some like some albino spaghetti comes out of her arm. <laughs> There's a little hole in there and she sticks a cord in there and she's hooked, she communicates with the ship's computer father and uh, basically sets the ship on a collision course with Earth. Yeah. Uh, because that's the way they're going to address the alien situation is by crashing the ship. I said, thinking back, that I'm like, I can't stand Ron Perlman's movie. He's my favorite part of the movie. Uh, he was cracking me up. He's like, Earth? We gotta go back to Earth? God, that's kind of sucks. I don't want to go back. <laughs> like, well, I think that's kind of cool that, like, we're, we're, this is actually the first time we've mm-hmm. overtaken the franchise to Earth. Yeah. Um, like, so and, we've, we've rebuilt the world, like, outside of what's happening in the containment. Like, there's a world out there. There is a world. Um, we don't get to explore it, really, but we pay lip service. Yeah, we, we, they, we know it's out there. And apparently Earth is now a shithole. Yeah. So most people, I would imagine most people don't live there anymore. If you've known anything about sci-fi and, uh, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? 1989, uh, 1984, dystopian, any kind of dystopian future, 
Earth is terrible. So not where you want to be. Not where you want to be. be on the moon. You want to be on Mars. <laughs> I was gonna say the moon. And be back in time for cornflakes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Leland Orser kind of has like a oh, I'm not feeling good, but then he's fine. Yeah. Um, Pretty sure that's not how the aliens work, but no. I mean, I do appreciate we go back to the the, the gestation period. We, yeah. I, it's pretty, it's reasonably quick. Reasonably, yeah. Uh, but can we can we kind of like fast forward to her? Like, I don't really know what happens here too much. Like, we, we don't get any, we don't get too many more deaths here no. at this point. Actually, no. I think the rest of the crew makes it, but we get to Except sniper. Yeah, <laughs> poor sniper poor sniper and um, dr ren but that comes he, later we, well that he obviously later. is gonna get it uh he gets it good so can we get to when ripley gets just she's just walking and gets taken by an alien yeah because this whole sequence was very strange i don't know what the point of it was it's just very odd to me so yeah we're evacuating the ship because like yeah. i said call has set the origa on a collision course with earth but the plan is now to get to the pirate ship the betty and yeah. just Fly get away. Yeah. Get out of there. Uh, so we're we're hustling, actually. We're making good progress here. Uh, meanwhile, like Ripley has a moment where she's like, sniff, sniff, aliens. I'm not sure if I want to leave just yet. And she kind of goes off on her own. She falls through the floor. And we get a shot that somebody has seen society. Wow. <laughs> um, somebody has seen society. And uh, maybe it's a French thing. But uh, this uh, bulbous gelatinous gooey uh beanbag chair bed bed, giant bed trampoline of bed trampoline anus Um, yeah just swallows her up yeah it's it's kind of cool it's 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 a cool prop it's she like it's like the little nook that she slips into is invisible yeah just like she just the floor just kind of swallows her again this movie had a ton of money behind it so this is really good looking yeah, no, it's really good looking, and it's it's shocking and bizarre imagery. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know what I'm looking at, but that lady just got sucked into that floor anus. <laughs> we get to this weird this weird room where... Well, the sequence Kyle was talking to is that um, we transition from that to, like, we... Same piece of music, in fact. Um, we come back to that fade-in, fade-out style of editing, yeah. so it's very dreamlike, and it's in slow motion, in fact. And we see Ripley's head cradled by an alien like the drones that we've been seeing all throughout the movie and it's like walking her it's it's carrying her like like lovingly it's embracing her and carrying her and she looks like she's kind of into it yeah um her hairs are all greased up to match his uh ky jelly head yeah um, but yeah this was the shot that uh well shots that kyle had said um the, the producers kind of wanted to remove from the movie um but yeah she gets taken into this chamber that uh damn production design lovingly dressed set mm-hmm. and then we get to meet brad Dourif. we get to find out what happened to him he's just kind of rambling uh and he's strung up too he, he's got the the classic strung up by the alien where he's most likely got an egg inside of him but he looks like like uh like a butterfly cocoon yeah but his his face is exposed but he is like covered in in bug jism yeah and he's just kind of rambling on while Sigourney Weaver's doing something. like She's, she's unconscious rolled. on the floor. She's kind of just waking up. But what he's rambling about is a... It's weird. Like, actually, you really have to pay attention to actually hear it. Because mm-hmm. there's... Oh, I mean... Yeah, visually... That's what I'm saying. There's a like, lot going on, so yeah. you're distracted. But um, basically, he's talking about how... Uh, 
there was crossover both between Ripley and the alien that was inside her. Mm-hmm. So the alien queen that she gave birth to inherited some human genes. And what it inherited was a human womb, the capability of birthing without an egg. Yeah. Um, so I guess asexually or something. Um, but he, the end of his, his droning speech is like, he turns into Brad Dourif. Like yeah. He turns into Chucky. He's like, he starts yelling. Basically, he's saying, like, the alien queen is now perfect because yeah. it's, it's... There's a lot of talk in the alien movies about perfect organisms. They are horribly imperfect. It gets... <laughs> it, it more so when, when Ridley Scott comes back to the franchise yeah. and starts messing well, with yeah, it. Yeah, David's droning on and on yeah, about his perfect or It's not perfect. No. It doesn't have eyes. <laughs> it's like, one, it can't see. It it's can't like, see. Well, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> like, you have to die. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, do we give birth to the gross thing now? The kid. Pretty intense scene, so, man. Yeah. So th- this is where I was like, this movie would be really fun if it was just its own movie. And this creature design is like a little bit like Pumpkinhead, where it's close enough to something else that it could not. It doesn't have to be a xenomorph. It doesn't look like a xenomorph. Where this could have just been a monster in a monster movie. Yeah. But I, I'm i guessing that they had this design before they even started shooting. Like, this wasn't something that they probably just came up with halfway through. Like, they were like, we're introducing a different element to this, and it's this thing. Like, mm-hmm. well, why not just get rid of the alien stuff and just do this? Well, probably because of the, like, the reason why they have such a big budget is like, oh, this is going to be an alien movie, and these movies make That's money. the only way they could have secured the financing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because really the the visuals and the set designs and stuff you you had, it takes money. It takes money. It takes talent, yeah. and you need money to hire that talent. Um, but yeah, the the queen's chamber is the the lighting here is really cool. Like how it has like an amber tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the queen has a actual womb. Uh, funny enough, I think I read the trivia, and the the alien queen's head is actually the same as in the 1986 film yeah but apparently they, i think they repainted it though i think somebody like a, a collector had bought it yeah and they decided to bring it back well i'd imagine it had to do with money yeah. it's like building another one of those would probably be very costly very not to mention um stan winston designed that whereas amalgamated studio Ma- amalgamated dynamics did resurrection mm. Ta- Tom Woodruff worked for Stan Winston, but he branched off later on, so I'd imagine they'd have to like build it from fucking scratch. Uh, the kid is really good. Really uh, fucking good. It's, the, the animatronics in the face are excellent. This is the thing that I remember most about watching this movie and the clips that I'd seen was that this thing is awesome in that it looks like something real. It's disgusting, but at the same time, it's adorable. Like It is able to be terrifying but when it turns and it's like making the noises like it's kind of cute it's it's a baby yeah and it feels like it feels like a not a human baby but it feels like a it feels like a real pet like it 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 feels like something that you could actually love like what it because of the eyes the eyes is what's the eyes were yeah the, they obviously gave it eyes for a reason yeah. so it could emote and i mean the the obvious shot that i'm sure you're picturing right now is when it's going after winona rider later on yeah. um there's a shot where it, it feigns like friendliness like mm-hmm. it, it's like i'm not gonna hurt you and it's like i'm gonna hurt you <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and what? the expression on its face is it looks like a person yeah like it, it's like that's a robot but holy shit that's really good like the puppeteer who was who was moving it's 
face rotors or whatever did a great fucking job. Yeah. I don't know how long that shot took to get, but damn. Uh, it also kind of talks at the end, too, when yeah. it's being sucked through it, the... It has a lot of vocalizations that the, the other aliens don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot more varied in tone, and again, it's supposed to be a juvenile. Yeah. Like it, it's obviously intelligent, but it's it's also a predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first fucking thing it does when it's born is uh, it kills it, the queen. Yeah, it comes up close to its its birth mother. And they go face to face, and then it it gives the queen a nasty look and slaps the top of its head off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck, kills... queen, queen got got. <laughs> it kills the queen, and then uh... Brad Dorf exposits that. Like, oh, it thinks you're, you're its mother. mother. Yeah. So Ripley, who is in the room to witness this, uh, the newborn locks eyes with her, and it's like, oh, you smell like mom. Not that thing that I just killed. Um, so Ripley's like, uh, I don't want nothing to do yeah. with that. <laughs> so she takes off, heavy. and Brad Dourif gets a weird death. It feels like there was meant to be more to it. Uh, he gets the top of his head bitten off, like just the top. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, basically, the, the newborn's going after Ripley, but um, it gets distracted because it sees... Brad know, Dourif over there. I mean, it sees a, a weird-looking gremlin man hanging off the wall. <laughs> and so it, it comes up to him, and like you said about the, the vocalizations, like it gives like a... Meh! Like a like it sees a toy, almost. Yeah. And then he's excited because he's weird. He's got a boner right yeah, he's now. Yeah, he's got a boner under that cocoon. He's got a f- Dr. Frankenstein boner at this point. He's like, look what I finally made. Uh, yeah. Newborn takes a bite out of the top of his head, and we only really get to see the aftermath. We see some like chunks of blood coming down, the t- coming down his face, but we only really get to see the aftermath. And it's actually pretty fucking grisly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Ripley takes off, and apparently they didn't have the budget to show that newborn chasing her. Uh, that it was intended to be It'd shown. Be pretty fucking scary, but yeah. Yeah. Um. But instead, we go with the aliens ending, where uh, we think. We think we've escaped, and then it shows up. It happens in every single one, I think. Yeah, it's kind of... Except for the third one, actually. That doesn't happen in the third one, but it does happen in the third one, kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, it's also... The Resident Evil games kind of make a tradition of it, too. Yeah. Resident Evil 2 has one of the best ones of those, where the final boss of the game, uh, you're on a train, and uh, I think think there's like a weight limit thing that goes off and you have to go back through all the cabooses so like you you run straight to the straight to the head of the train and then you have to run all the way back and when you get to the last door it's like okay that's a monster the size of a caboose (laughs) and it was just hiding there and i didn't notice it (laughs) yeah this thing is bigger than a xenomorph honestly yes it's disgusting considerably larger it's much bigger it's like pale white covered in goo it's the size of pumpkin head it's like got it's, a pot belly too it pot and bo- it's got saggy boobs too Did it, you yeah know it saggy, has boobs? saggy boobs he has no muscle tone whatsoever no uh, definition um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, we 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 jettisoned from the origa uh little guy oh uh looks like paul but, giamatti's torso i would assume <laughs> they took a life cast of paul giamatti yeah those titties uh um, you watch this movie all the way through the credits you see thanks to paul giamatti <laughs> <Special> thanks <laughs> you know why uh so oh, yeah. we gotta talk about leland orser though yeah he dies yeah you want to talk about what how he dies uh it bursts through his chest he gets a chest burster it's considerably more than that it's pretty fucking epic so uh we're on the betty sigourney weaver's doing her thing she's trying to get to the betty uh, so all of our survivors are on there. Uh, the doctor gets himself a gun. 
uh, he had himself a gun, and he's waiting for everyone. He tries to hold everyone up. He's got Winono by the head. He's like, I'm going to shoot her. They're like, she's a fake person. We don't care we anyway. Don't <laughs> shit. <laughs> but he's implying that she's the only one that can get them back, I guess, because exactly. she's another pilot. Exactly. Um, meanwhile, Leland Orser is kind of flipping out. Uh, and then finally, uh, what we've been waiting for finally happens, where uh, the chestburster inside him starts to come into play. And by the way, he's been shot. Uh, and then they, they play very fast and loose with the rules of uh, alien birthing here. Yeah. So from the choreography well. of the scene, from the choreography of the scene, it's heavily implied that the alien is kind of driving him. Because the way he comes up off the ground, he comes up oh, chest first. Oh, yes, 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 you're right. And then he lurches forward towards the doctor, who shoots him several times. Yeah. And he does not stop. And he's shrieking at the doctor. He beats the shit out of him. He goes chimpanzee on him and starts bashing his head on everything in sight. And then we get this this sequence that young Trevor absolutely drew like every day for like a solid week at school. Oh, really? <laughs> Basically, he has the doctor in front of him. And then the chest burster comes out of his chest and through the top of the doctor's head. Two in one. Yeah. Um... But we get this really 90s shot where Leland Orser is screaming, and then the camera goes into his throat and down his throat, and then we see the little chest burger go. <laughs> but yeah, basically the chest burger comes out his chest and out the doctor's face, and then there's this lovely moment where everyone, all the other people like Sniper and and Ron Perlman are just like, let's shoot both of them. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And then we actually just cut from there. It's just the two of them standing there and everyone shooting. Yeah, they shoot him. But Presumably, they... they shot the alien at some point. Uh, Sigourney Weaver makes it back onto the ship with Winona Ryder, and wouldn't you know it, the baby's there. Yeah, Sniper uh, gets it here. Sniper gets it. Um, this whole sequence, like, you think it's gonna, it kind of wraps up quick. Very quick. Uh, oddly, because I was like, I looked at the time, I'm like, but there's only like ten minutes. Like, 10 well, minutes left again, this. money was a factor. Yeah. Uh, there's exactly, exactly one shot in this entire movie where you can see its lower half yeah there is i remember that that's where i saw that you see the boobs yeah um so yeah it's kind of sniffing on winona Ryder a little bit how does joke how does sniper get it he gets his head smooshed it's actually a juicy death um basically winona Ryder goes into the cargo hold of the betty because uh we're entering the atmosphere and apparently one of the doors is not sealed mm. and sigourney weaver's on the ship at this point so we think we're clear except this door needs to be shut so she goes there alone, uh, or maybe Sniper comes with her. Um, but anyway, the, the oh yeah, she does go alone. And then the newborn shows up, and there's this really kind of cool moment. It's an intelligent monster moment where it like shrieks at her, and she is in the process of trying to close this door that means death for everyone if it doesn't get closed. And the newborn like shrieks at her and gestures at her violently, but then it takes a second to shut the door for her. Because, like, the control panel she's using isn't working. Mm -hmm. So, like, she can't do this. And this crazy, strong, giant alien thing just goes, and it's like, we're all good now. Now I'm going to kill you. No. <laughs> but, yeah, this is where that shot happens where it's reaching for her and it plays nice for a second. And so it's, it's stalking her, trying to kill her, and then they send Sniper back there. It sneaks up on him from the side. Not from the front, but... From the side. From the side. And then it grabs him by both temples smash oh it's tasty uh, like the viper in game of thrones oh yeah you showed me that one <laughs> that was real tasty yeah was, uh, yeah that's maybe the tastiest head crush it's one of the best things i've ever seen in that show it's 
pretty traumatic. Well, wasn't it like emotionally traumatic? It was a mo- it was one of the, it's the most emotionally traumatic death that doesn't affect directly a character that I loved. I really liked that character, but his death had a lot on the line. Gotcha. Yeah. Um because it was a trial by combat. Anyway. Yeah. End game. End game. So here we go. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of coming after Winona Ryder a little bit, and Sigourney Weaver's like. Well, funny enough, it's doing the same. Yeah. Fingers on the cheeks thing that Sigourney Weaver did to Winona earlier. Uh, which happens with the architect or the engineers? And uh, remember, that's how the engineer kills David, or he just comes up to him and like pets him on the side, and then just rips his fucking head off. It's a- <laughs> You want to get real tinfoil hatty about it too? It's like, oh, don't the predators do that too? <laughs> yeah, the way he does. Uh, but yeah, so now Sigourney Weaver's like trying to. Ha- she's thinking of a master plan, so yeah. she comes up and she's just kind of distracting it, and it, it it's like cooing like a baby, like ooh, hi mom, like how's it going? And she's just like petting it, and she has a plan. She's like, she knows that they have acid for spit, which no, is no, 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 what she uses her palm. She cuts herself on his teeth. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. They're so, not that dumb. They're dumb, but they're not that dumb. <laughs> she cuts her cuts her hand on the teeth, and she uses her blood uh, to... She migs... She, uh, she, she migs the window. <laughs> Look at the blood! <laughs> not, uh, not the first example that would come to mind, but sure. Well, because she's literally like, Look at the blood! <laughs> Surprise! Surprise. Because that's what he says to Jodie Foster. Uh, I know, I know. So she... Uh, so the blood's on there, and the thing knows immediately what's going to happen. He's like, you motherfucker!" And it, uh, the, the blood sizzles through the window, and of course we're getting a space suction, which is going to kill everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen on this film. This is one of the grisliest deaths ever committed to It's film. crazy. It be- is uncomfortable. Because it's back to being cute. And it works here because Sigourney Weaver's like feeling bad. It's like... So the thing has got its back uh, to this hole in the glass, and it's sucking. It's a. It's tiny. Yeah, it's, it's a quarter-sized hole. It's very small, and it's sucking this thing through a window that is. Cr- it's like sucking a, an elephant through a microwave. Like that's the <laughs> that's the hole that this thing is sucking yes. through. Yeah. Um, and it's like screaming, and it's actually it's actually saying words. It's like no, you can hear it. I mean, well, I mean. It knows enough to know that it believes that this is its mother. Yeah. And it knows enough to know that its mother is doing this to yeah. it. So it's it's upset. It's kinda sad. it's kinda sad. It's like, it's very it's very well orchestrated. It is. Um they it's emotionally manipulative yeah. in, in a very effective way in a very strange movie. It's, um, a, it's a great death. It makes you feel kinda bad for it, but at the same time you're like, Good, they're killing it. No, I mean I forget where I've read it, but like the phrase was we we love our monsters like most most of the best monsters in in literature or cinema or whatever you usually have some sort of affinity for it on some level so if you can if you can develop some form of sympathy for it um that's another layer to your appreciation of the product like jaws for instance the la- the last shot you get of the shark is when it's beheaded and this whimsical orchestra music is playing it's like there's like a whale call playing over it, and it's it's the, the, this weirdly emotional beat for this thing that has done nothing but awful things to people throughout the movie, but it works. It fucking works. But yeah, it's getting sucked out the back, and uh, it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's especially disgusting. especially when the the string cheese comes yeah. out the back, and before before the membrane breaks. Yeah, be, before the 
before the skin breaks. Like, it's just... Yeah. It looks painful. <laughs> and then the skin rips, the intestines come out, and yeah. it's just going piece by piece. It's, nah. Actually, that, that's one of the weirder things in any cinema, actually, is when you see viscera. Mm-hmm. That's really rare. Um, and whenever you see it, it's like, It's oh, very unsettling. It's very unsettling, because it's, it's one of the more rare things in movies. Like, gory movies are not, like intestines and guts and stuff are not in every movie because you know what it means and that's it's scary to think about it's like i know that i am probably dead now <laughs> even yeah. though like like i'm still alive and i can see this it's the th- last thing you want to see well the the length of the scene is what makes it especially awful because yeah. because it comes in stages like it, it's back it's back gets sucked against the window it actually breaks free it for does. a moment. It does break free for a moment. And then it gets smacked against the wall again, and then the skin breaks. Yeah. And then all of its insides, all of its fluids start spraying out into space, and they do a clever thing where there's no audio of mm-hmm. the space shots. Um, and then things intensify because its limbs get sucked behind it one by one. So we have a torso with a head screaming. Yeah. Like it sounds like a human being screaming. And then, yeah, it's it's a torso rips open. The, the viscera spills out, but then it's a suction, so they get sucked back in, out the back, and then the the closing shot is, it's so fucking cool, because, like, the last thing is everything else, like, the entire torso gets sucked all at once, and just, like, gone, but then the head is there, mm-hmm. still smacked up against the glass, and then the skin rips off the skull, and then the skull shatters and goes straight up, it's just, it's yeah. so fluid and awesome looking, it's like, holy shit! <laughs> it's really neat. It's like, oh! Oh, yeah. <laughs> people, are, people are probably puking in the in the theater when they watch. New guys in the back puking his guts out. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty gross, but uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up. They uh, they get back to the cockpit and they, I guess they get back to Earth. They, yeah, we we get through the atmospheric barrier. All the fire and chaos goes away, and now we're in the Earth's atmosphere, and we see some shots of the Earth, and it's like, what do we do now? It's like. I don't know, because we ran out of ideas for sequels. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to go back to the beginning. So we're going to is... go do AVP. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as we know, like, there are no other, like, this is the last of the Xenomorphs. Like, the only person that's left is Sigourney Weaver, who's like a hybrid thing of some kind. Not even a hybrid, she's just a person with alien blood. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I. It's a strange way to leave that story. Because th- it probably would have been safer to kill her off. Yeah, because the imp- the implication, <laughs> the implication. Um, so, I'll go ahead and rank these real quick. Now that we've gone through all of them, it goes one, two, three, four. I think for me, uh, I did say I was thinking four, three a little bit, just because of uh, like the tone of this one's a bit. It's different. I think the set design is incredible. Absolutely. Um, but as far as the story goes, I think that the third the third movie's tone keeps more to the actual franchise. This is a different. I'd say this is an entirely different movie. Like it's a complete. It's outside it the franchise. It is. Um, I think I would go two, one, three, four, okay. um, for similar reasons because it, three is kind of a hollow movie in a lot of ways, but it's it's tonally and aesthetically consistent, um, and I really appreciate that. Whereas the fourth one is such a different beast altogether to the point that it's like, it's such a disparate element. It's really hard to find the, the alien in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and case in point, we've like the expanded, <laughs> the expanded universe <laughs> of, of the alien franchise beyond the movies, like computer games, comics, 
we we have lived in Alien and Aliens. Mm-hmm. We've lived in we have lived in Wayland Utani for decades now. Yeah. And we love it. Alien Resurrection, two hundred years later, I can't name a single piece of media that's touched that. No. Like we've never revisited it because it's there's just nothing there. And this and like this is written by Joss Whedon, so like this this script would have been would have worked perfectly for a different monster movie. Uh, it, it just didn't need the xenomorph well, element. This script would have worked great for not a monster movie. Yeah, just an action adventure movie. Yeah, because the stuff with the newborn felt like it felt like some of the more heartfelt aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell a lot of passion and thought went into conveying the emotions in those scenes and like crafting the monster and everything like i think probably the director and the makeup effects technicians saw eye to eye on that but i was telling you this off air like the the alien queen and the newborn are barely barely an element in this story yeah like the newborn especially just shows the fuck up like there's the the best the best way to introduce your monster is to tease it you need yeah. you need to lead you need to lead your audience to that. You yeah. can't just have it show up Correct. and expect me to care about it. Yeah, that maybe that's maybe that's the problem why it feels like it wraps up so quick because we don't really hint at anything about this monster. Well, all you needed to do was show the queen at at an earlier early point. stage. Well, yeah. at, just midway through the movie, or maybe have Brad Dorif exposit about yeah. it or say like, "Oh, we by have the way, something else coming. Yeah, is something else is coming. It has a womb." Like, yeah. and then the audience is like, "Oh, what's going to come out of the womb?" Instead of having it just show up. At the two-hour mark or whatever. Um, this is... I mean, this could have been much worse, I feel like. Yes, uh, absolutely. I don't think this is a bad movie, honestly. Going back, I'm like, I didn't enjoy it as an alien movie, but there are things that are enjoyable here as far as like a fun movie goes, especially in the second half of the movie. No, it, it, the visuals are incredible yeah. in, in any era. Like, a, even decades removed from it, it still looks fucking good. Um, the, the lighting and the sets are spectacular. Mm-hmm. Winona is lit to perfection yeah, yeah. winona and michael wincott get the sexy life for sure um but yeah it, it's i don't think it's a bad movie at all i think it's a very confused movie yeah it feels like a slapdash effort where it's like we have this and this and this none of it's really consistent but we'll get to the end <laughs> well maybe the, the, the director was like yeah i'll direct this movie but what the studio wanted was something more box office like we want something to do really well and he's like i'm not really looking for that that's not the kind of movie i'm trying to make and they he did say he wanted to make a fun movie and i think he mostly achieved that i would say like it it feels like a solid action adventure movie in space um it just unfortunately involves the aliens that we all know and love and doing things that we're not used to seeing them do um and in some ways that feels disrespectful to the franchise but at the same time it's probably for the best that there's no like lingering aspects to it it's it feels like an isolated element mm-hmm. like it's not like it it's not like its existence tarnishes the reputation of the other films is no. what i'm trying to say no but yeah that's uh mostly yeah. what i have to say about that. yeah i think we said quite a bit more than we were expecting to on this one yeah um, yeah <laughs> but yeah that was uh jean-pierre jeunet's uh alien resurrection from 1997 um so I guess the question is, are we going to be doing Prometheus? I don't know. Uh, if, if we do, it'll probably drop like uh, the, like the following Thursday after this, if I had to guess. Something um, like that. Something like that. It won't be. It won't be a. F- it'll be a full episode, but it won't be. We. It's not going to be as important as you know covering these four well, films. It's an important movie to you, so I wouldn't disrespect it. But, but uh, it'll be a little different because Trevor doesn't particularly care for that movie, and I do. Well, 
I'd be curious though because I've only seen it like once, mm. and that was when it came out. I've seen it several times, so. my, but my brother and I were both like, "Whoa, dude, we were not expecting that. That was pretty bitching." But see, this is why we do this show: is to you know, take a look at some, take a closer look at some stuff that maybe we would otherwise wouldn't. Because really, other than talking about it with you, I don't really have any desire to go back <laughs> to it. But you know, I feel that usually most movies, unless they're like utterly lazy efforts. Um, usually have some worth to them. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, tune in next time. Yeah.